Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, mates, just Matt checking in before the start of the show to let you know that my uh, solo stand-up shows are on sale. Brisbane is now sold out, but sold out pretty quick, but there's still tickets available for Sydney on the 8th of June at the Chippo Hotel And the live taping at the Stupid Old Studios in Melbourne on the 17th of June. And you can get tickets for those shows via mattstuartcomedy.com. mattstuartcomedy.com. Please use the discount code DOGOON for a discount for you, DOGOON listeners. All right, now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart. Hey, Dave, how's it going? So good to be here. Great to be here with you, but not as always. We are joined by a special guest today. It's Cass Page. Hello, everybody. Hello, Cass Page. It was good to do go from my house <laughs> and come on this episode with you. <laughs> That's great. If you say, if do go is in capitals and the rest is in very lowercase and then it goes back to on. Oh, we got subscript happening. We love that. I told Cass before the show, she has to say that in every sentence. That's the that's the whole <laughs> idea of this show. You've got to say do go on in every... Yeah, that's right. Cass has never heard the show and she thinks that's what this is. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> go on. <laughs> Damn, she's good. Very good. Does the same thing on primates. Just every sentence is primates, this primates, that. And uh, yes, anyway, Dave, um, <laughs> can you explain to Cass and the listeners, first timers, what this show is? Well, Cass, we are so pleased to be joined by you this week. Thank you so much for coming along. Thank and you for having me. What we do here is we take it in terms of a report on a topic often suggested by a listener. One of us uh, takes that topic, goes away, does a bit of research, brings it back to the group. People of the people, it sounds like. Very nice of them to do that. And it. You know, being Mr. Nice Guy this week, it's Matt Stewart's turn to report. Oh. And you can attest to this. It's it's. Some people think that we 
pretend that we don't know, but you and I genuinely don't know what Matt is about to report on. No idea. He's got one of those laptops that you can't see the other side of. He's got a one-way laptop. <laughs> one-way laptop. <laughs> How many two-way laptops have you seen in your time? <laughs> well, I, yeah, well, oh, look, if I think Elon Musk has one. Yeah, he would, perf. But I haven't seen it in real life. I've seen his Starlink in real life. You know the oh up in the sky yeah bonkers yeah. I I'm the man I know about only in sort of extract of mind in my line of vision get off of the sky mate you're on the telly he's everywhere well get he he the there's very possible it's very possible that it could be a report on Elon Musk but we always Ooh. start with a question Matt's going to ask us that question that's okay. right oh, for new listeners uh, Jess is normally here but she's not no that'd be for old listeners new listeners wouldn't give a <laughs> shit about that. <laughs> Old listeners, Jess is fine. She's just she's on a holiday. She's on a vacay. Oh, she is. And we wish her all the best. She's having a great time out there. She's boogie boarding. She's uh, climbing rocks, rock climbing, if you will, mm-hmm. doing all sorts of things. Abseiling. Not sure if any of that's true, but she's having a good time. That's all we know. That High ropes right. course, I heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's very active, very outdoorsy. <laughs> all right, Cass. So this is the question. Yes. And someone is out there tallying the score, so you could get on the board. Um, if you answer this question correctly. But Dave is also obviously in the game as well. I am currently on the board, but I'm the lowest on the board. So actually this could go well for me either way because if I get it right, I'll go up one. Mm. But if you get it right, there'll be someone below me now. That is exciting. That's good. All right. And I I try to write because I don't know. I hadn't heard of this um, chapter of history before. So I'm assuming you two might not have either. So I'm asking the question in a way that uh, you'll have a definite chance at, of answering. Okay. The question is, mm-hmm. what card game does badass 1920s explorer share her name with? Jeez, that's poorly written. That doesn't make sense, does, <laughs> does it? Does it a badass or just badass? What card game does, does badass? So her first name's Ada, second name is a card game. Ooh. And then and she's she was a uh, she was on a, a, a relatively famous expedition in the 1920s. Famous Ooh. in the day, back in the day, maybe not so famous now. So you just got to guess a card game, basically. Okay. Um, Do you want to go first, Cass? You got a card game on the mind? Okay, look, I am going to throw away my first guess, which was Ada Up and Down the River. <laughs> That's a great name. But well, and um, it makes sense if she's an explorer of some sort. Yeah. Mm, yeah, well, it, it would make – if you got to pick your last names – I, I probably would do that one. You pick that one? Um, no, but oh, as in as if you and I personally, the humans that we happen, we got to pick our last names. Well, I'd also pick this na- this name. Which yeah, well, conveniently it's, it's is very also cool. a, a card game, Rummy. No, it's not Rummy. Good name though. I'll give you one last guess each. I'm going to give you a clue. It's casino card game. Blackjack. Yes, correct. <laughs> oh, Ada Blackjack. Ada Blackjack. That's not, cool. Not even annoyed I didn't get that because that is awesome. <laughs> yes. I am. Oh. You're on the board. Yeah. Oh, board on. You're welcome. What a name. <laughs> what an amazing name. Um, Ada Blackjack. So that's a legit name. Legit name, yes. Oof. And Destined for greatness. Ada Blackjack's uh, story was suggested by listeners, including Jessica Banazak in Perth, Western Australia, Alicia Moore from McKinney, Texas in the US, or Plato, Texas. She... Uh, suggested it uh, about a year apart from two right. different Texan uh, postcodes. Or she, she suggested it at home, commuted to work, and then thought, oh, did that go through? <laughs> well, I'm here now. I'll do it again. That's possible. That is possible. You got uh, a double tappy submission. That, <laughs> that makes sense. Chris Smith from Peoria in Illinois, USA, 
and Olivia Krieger in Calgary in Alberta, Canada. Uh, okay, so, I mean, it was slightly misleading maybe saying she's an explorer because that is not at all how uh, she began, but she's sort of in the end. Right, anyway, she wasn't a born explorer. Wasn't born an explorer. <laughs> like most are, you know. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> they right. They come out wearing khaki <laughs> and they're ready to go with a safari hat. Uh, so, this all takes place in 1921 when a small crew set off from Nome, I should have looked up how to pronounce that, N-O-M-E, in Alaska, uh, heading for Wrangell Island, 85 miles off the northeast coast of Siberia. The expedition was charged with claiming the island for Canada and the British Empire. Uh, the crew was put together by one, another word, another name I should have looked up the pronunciation of, Phil Halmure Stephenson. Uh, Stephenson was born in 1879 in Manitoba, Canada, and his parents had immigrated from Iceland two years prior, one of Dave's favourite countries. Oh, I love it. Definitely in the top two. Oh, oh do we have a one? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, the Bahamas. Oh, fantastic <laughs> choices. Iceland and the Bahamas. Mm. Classic bedfellows. Yeah, that's right. You get a one. You, you, you cool off. Uh, <laughs> and then warm up. It's how to best treat uh, any of your muscle pains. It's it's how the rich do it. They go to the Bahamas, they go to Iceland, they go to Bahamas, they go yeah, to Iceland. And then the other, that's right. Yep. Until your legs are feeling good. Yep. Uh, so, Stevenson went on to study at the University of Iowa and then the University, well, and as well as the University of North Dakota. I don't know if, which order it was in. Probably doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> and then he went on to study anthropology at the Graduate School of Harvard. In 1904 and 1905, Stephenson was in his parents' homeland of Iceland conducting archaeological research. Then in the following years, he was recruited to be a part of the Anglo-American Polar Exhibition. Expedition. <laughs> Very different thing. Um, <laughs> he's just showing some pictures. So is he some sort of art curator? Or? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Look at everything I learnt at school. <laughs> yeah, that's his professional show and tell. <laughs> and then in 1906 and 07, he lived with the Inuit people of the Mackenzie Delta. Then according to a, web, a website called wikipedia.org, he <laughs> and Dr. Has, has R- heard of this? Matt always brings that one up. Never heard of yeah, it. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, I'm trying to get the word out. They're a very good website. They've and you think stuff it's trustworthy? On most yeah, yeah. And so dot .org. Dot .org. Yeah, I don't know what that's short for, but it sounds like fun to me. Uh, but anyway, from wikipedia.org, he and Dr. R.M. Anderson undertook the ethnological survey of the central Arctic coasts of the shores of North America from 1908 to 1912. So he's in work. He's getting out there. He loves the cold. He's all he loves over checking the place. things out. You should go to the Bahamas and warm up. <laughs> He's gonna get bung muscles for sure. Yeah, for sure. If you just if you just stay cold, yeah, it's all over. You're gonna freeze up. Yeah. No and warm up, all cool down. Uh, it's a that's a recipe for <laughs> pulling a muscle. It's all cool down for this guy. Well, maybe <laughs> that's why. Maybe he needed to hit the Bahamas in between because uh, the next thing he got up to was in 1913 when he organised and directed a Canadian Arctic expedition for the government of Canada. This expedition was ill fated and is now referred to as the last voyage of the Carlock, which ended with nearly half of the 25-person party perishing. What a P sound. A lot of plosives there. Ooh, is it nearly half because 25 isn't divisible by two? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Was it, was it 12, Matt? I think it might have been 12. Oh, oh gosh. That's all. Mm. 
But do, do, do we have any information about anyone maybe losing a limb? Could oh. it have been half? <laughs> Frostbite does kill part of you. That's true. Maybe enough fingers and toes went to make up another half person. Yeah. A half pea. How many fingers and toes make up half a pea? Oh, Quite a few. A few sets. Yeah, a few, a few sets. Probably the remaining 13. <laughs> no one came out with fingers or toe. Uh, one of those who died, uh, one of the 12-ish who died, was a guy called Alistair Mackey or Mac- McKay. Does that ring a bell, Dave? He w- had previously been part of the Ernest Shackleton uh, Shackleton's Endurance or the Shackleton oh, Antarctic Expedition. I, I know one of thing. I know one of his descendants. Really? Yeah. Because we one of our one of our uh, episodes that people still talk about from years ago was a Dave did a report about Shackleton's. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a an amazing story of survival. Very sad to hear that that guy went through all of that only to die up north. But who's the descendant of Ernest Shackleton or someone on the on the endurance? That- uh, yeah, yeah, just a just a line down descendant of Ernest Shackleton. Amazing. Super, super lovely. Name um, Shackleton? Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's a great name. It's, great it's so name. fun. You want to keep it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, that's that's great. And one of my favorite bands from high school wrote a song that referenced Shackleton. What was what was yeah. your favorite band from high school? Um, Enter Shikari. And I'm trying to remember the name of their song. It was about how we need to save the environment. Release um, the Because the polar caps were melting. Right. And how Shackleton would be rolling in his grave. A beautiful with message. the way that we're treating the Arctic at the um, at the moment. He loved the ice. He loved the ice. He didn't want to see it melted. No, well that that'd be sad. But then I guess the captain of the Titanic, he'd be doing the opposite of rolling over in his grave, <laughs> wouldn't he? <laughs> Melt that shit. <laughs> What's the opposite of rolling? Uh, He'd be lying rocking? dead still in his grave. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely motionless with joy. <laughs> Just give it a couple of thumbs up. <laughs> Keep melting it, guys. Uh, so. Stephenson, he, he had this uh, career, you know, um, getting in and amongst the ice. But he obviously survived. He was one of the 13 survivors. Yes, he was. And, I mean, I, I didn't go into too much detail because it feels like it could be a report in itself down the line. But uh, there were accusations that he, uh, he he sort of, he went off on a hunting expedition and it, he didn't realise that the boat was going to hit trouble. <laughs> But some are like, he knew what he was doing. He Hang was sort on. of fleeing. Oh, as in he went off and was like, I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to go. I'm taking a few people. We're going to go uh, get some food for yeah. everyone. And you, you guys stay here. You guys Do you guys want anything? <laughs> we're going out. Yeah, we're Does gonna, anyone? We're going to hit the what, casino. You're good? Okay, what I'm hearing is you're good and we will go. We'll go. Yep. Help. Cool, cool, cool. Help. Sorry, kelp. Kelp. Yeah, I'll get you some help. kelp. No worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stay yeah. Right there. That's a that's a, uh, a sort of a seaweed. Yes, sorry, <laughs> can get you like, some of that. Help us, help us. Yeah, I'll help you. Yeah, probably probably Brief doesn't count as hunting, so it will take longer now because that would be foraging, and I was planning to hunt. <laughs> I thought you said honey exhibition expedition. It is tricky. Imagine <laughs> 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 that. It would not go down if you said I'm off to a honey exhibition. <laughs> what? We are cold and starving. Yeah, but you know, a virus feet, Pete. I don't want to let this, <laughs> these bees down. You know, you know what these apiarists are like. They worked really hard. <laughs> take it a little too seriously. Did you oh, you remember when that stuff came out where someone did um, all the equations required to figure out how much honey would cost if it were if we paid bees a living wage, <laughs> minimum wage? No, it was stupidly expensive. I asked because I couldn't remember the number, but imagine heaps. 
Yeah, <laughs> that makes that does make some sense. <laughs> what are they spending their living just squirt, wage on? It's not like a single beast squirts a jar out a day or whatever. It'd be, take a, quite a few of them. That's the thing. It takes so many bees to go collect the little the little pollen pants. Have you seen bees after they've collected pollen? It looks like they're wearing little pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Their legs pollen are pants. all fat with pollen. They look like the old fashioned pants that go really fat at the at the thigh. It's brilliant. <laughs> It's all the buzz. And when they go back to the thing, they have to turn it into honey, which is some sort of body process. And there's, you know, I'm sure they didn't factor this in, but I would imagine there'd be some like, you know, you'd probably get hot work pay, dangerous conditions right. pay. Oh, you work for one dictator as well. Yeah, it's probably probably not great. Um, yeah, not, gr- not great working conditions. Hey, I, I just want to put it out there. Not work I'd love to do. All right, you don't want to come back as a bee in your next life. Uh, yeah, imagine if, like, to buy ice, you had to pay all the individual uh, molecules. Um, <laughs> a living wage. A living wage. <laughs> like, if you just wanted every molecule mm-hmm. that made up the, the <sighs> H2O, it would be expensive. Yeah, yeah. or maybe, or what about, what other things do animals get involved in? And we're just like, that's fine. The, the, okay, figs, how figs have to have a wasp die in them. What? To get pollinated or to grow into a fig or something? Okay, I'm trying to remember what a fig is. Figs are fruit. Tastes very good with blue cheese if you put it in the oven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, Matt. Come you on. know. They the go- blue cheese <laughs> ornament. Yeah, come on, they go well with a, with a tasting platter. <laughs> Figs. I've read, I know fig jam means is like a, is a oh, put yeah. down for someone who thinks they're pretty good. Yeah. It's an acronym. It's an acronym. Yes. Yes, it is. All right. Anyway, I've lost. So I, yeah, I guess. So, it, in, I mean, the difference between my water and ice thing and, and yours is bees probably. They're more. Is water alive? You know, where do you draw a line there? Oh, well, some people have hard boundaries. Mm. I'm actually a level seventeen, um, so. <laughs> yeah, ice can cast a shadow. Water. <laughs> Water has difficulty, but ice definitely does. So really, okay, that's where I draw the line between water and ice. Anyway, so but, but I think you were trying to say that we're a bit sus on this guy. Yeah, I, I think he's you know how how good at it he is. But anyway, he's well, he's very good at it if he knows when to. Sometimes the best thing you can do is quit, and you ha- and knowing when to quit is a skill. That's yes. right. Knowing to hold him and fold him like his friend Kenny. Blackjack. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. When's she coming in? Uh, soon. Uh, just setting up, setting it up because the only reason she gets over there is because of this guy, Stephenson. Uh, and he continued with exploration until 1918. At one point, apparently, he survived a 96-day stretch uh, Same. by only eating animals, uh, Arctic animals he shot with his rifle. That same so he up. was carrying ninety six bullets with him the whole time. It would have to be more because he's not going to get it every time. Well, what if what if they line up in front of each other? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's and I don't think he had to eat one animal a day either. Maybe he had. And is this he a might thing? Might have shot a big one and had it over a few days. <laughs> ninety six. Okay, days. no, no, that is that genuinely helps me understand it a bit better because <laughs> but do you think he's is he proud of this like he's like i went off and did this or did he do it for survival i think it was for survival yeah right it wasn't like <laughs> bragging yeah it seemed to happen a bit where they you know not as much was known about when uh ice was going to block your ships in and whatever <laughs> not like all the stuff i know about it now <laughs> <laughs> uh 
So by the time of the 1921 expedition, he had many years of experience surviving and exploring Arctic regions. With this in mind, how confident are you feeling about this upcoming upcoming expedition to Wrangell Island? Feeling I'm, feeling, I'm feeling so confident. Like oh. I said, this guy knows when to keep going and when to back off. Right. When to leave the party. Okay, well, that actually, that holds up. (laughs) 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 That definitely holds up. Um, So this is from an article in Atlas Obscura written by Tessa Hulls, and she describes Stephenson as a charismatic Arctic explorer but calls the expedition at best an ill-conceived venture. At worst, it was a willfully negligent act of astonishing hubris. Using the pull of his celebrity as a seasoned explorer, Stephenson assembled a team of four starstruck young men, Alan Crawford, 20, Lorne Knight, great name, 28, Fred Mora, 28, and Milton Gall, 19, to claim Wrangell Island for the British Empire, even though Britain had never shown the slightest interest in wanting it. (laughs) (laughs) He's just taken it on himself for some reason to take this island off the coast of Siberia. No one wants it. No one wants this, mate. He's like, I'll get it for you. (laughs) I'll get it. I'm going to go get it. That's a classic tale, isn't it, of being like, oh, I'll I'll bring the... This is for the queen? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So he is a king. 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 Oh, king. Okay. And queen. (laughs) Well, there would have been a queen as well. That's right. The current queen's dad. Is that who we're dealing with in the 20s? So our grand Dave's king. Our, our resident monarchist. That's right. <laughs> That's why actually I should say I am. I do support the monarchy of bees. Uh, the queen. Yeah. Respect to her. I do too, and I think we should. I do think we should pay. I. It's, it must have sounded like I was trying to put down the bees by talking about ice, but I was really just trying to bring it back to the ice report, and uh, really sounded like I was having a swipe at bees. But I love oh. the work they do out there. I'm pretty sure, isn't it something like we wouldn't exist without them? Yeah, well, they're uh, they're pollinators, so a lot of our fruit and vegetable requires a bee or millions, and we need them to eat. Okay, I love eating, so I love bees. Uh, pay pay bees a living <laughs> wage. <laughs> Give bees a chance. But I oh. no, uh, I'm not editing, so don't let me say anything else like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was uh, King George the Fifth. Oh, so he was, he was pretty much like, if I impress dad, maybe I'll be good. Maybe everyone will think I'm good. It did have that, it's got that kind of vibe it, about it, yeah. doesn't it? Also, I have noticed maybe it's just the things I've read. But anytime a story starts off by describing someone as charismatic, it never ends well, does it? Yeah, yes. When always... that's the leading trait, <laughs> someone dies. Yeah, they always use that charisma for something not so good. Yeah, people have been sucked into something. It's not yeah, like a cult like leader or something like that. Someone yeah. wants to describe pretty much how it's not the victim's fault. Yes. You know? How you do they get how do they get pulled into this? Yep. Well, yes. they were charismatic. <laughs> You're about to question why someone would do this. Well, I need to say <laughs> they were very charismatic. Just to let you just to remind you, we all want friends. Okay. <laughs> So Keep you, in mind your need for human connection as we go into this story. <laughs> so you, you know, all this experience Stephenson has, he's putting this team together. He wants to um, put the flag in their claim for uh, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this so will make Dad love Daddy me. Daddy George. So obviously you'd assume that he'd be there in the expedition uh, as part of the team, right? 
Oh, right. Yeah, for sure. Not just like z- like controlling everything from Zoom or something. Mm. Well, no, it was more of the Zoom option. <laughs> Checking in. <laughs> hey, guys, how's it going out there? Uh, great. Cool. I'm just uh, sitting in front of my fire at home. Yeah. Kind of, and oh, Cass, so- you said before, like he knows when to, he knows when to quit. And yeah. he, well, that's, I guess he, he pre-quit this <laughs> he one. He never even went. <laughs> that's, well, I guess if you're that charismatic, Go into management. Mm. You know, you're halfway there. <laughs> Damn right. But so this is something that no one wants him to do and then he can't even be asked doing it himself. Yeah, that's right. So he sort of, he helped fund it. I think he organized, he got the cash together. Right. Um, but yeah, he, for whatever reason, he didn't go out there himself. Uh, according to Hulls, though Stephenson picked the team and funded the mission, he never had any intention of joining the party himself and sent his woefully inexperienced team north with only six months of supply and hollow assurances that the friendly Arctic would provide <laughs> ample game to augment their stores until a ship picked them up the following year. Oh. The friendly <laughs> Arctic. The fr- that's, in qu- that's in quotations. That's what he said. The rest... Because <sighs> I, I, th- I really... I think Hulls maybe was overplaying the team's inexperience a bit. Uh, a couple of them, including Fred Mora, for instance, was a relatively experienced seaman who had survived eight months on Wrangell. <laughs> He'd actually survived hey. on Wrangell Island for eight months, seven years prior. So he's been there. He's been oh. there. If people have been there, how is he not? A, it's certainly, it must have been claimed, right? Yeah, it's well, it's just off the coast, off the coast of Siberia. I don't know. I if mean, it, was it already Russia had a name. But, oh, the, the idea of claiming it is definitely. I'm guessing it's a violent thing they're going to try and do. No, it's well, it's it's not it's it's not an island that Britain even has its sights on. It's not like it's to them they didn't see it as a useful space or anything. It was like a, a wilderness. So hang on, when when they say they're going to go claim it, then yes, what do they mean? Do they, they just mean- wanted to change the color on the maps, I guess. You know, you just go, went there and put a flag down. So does that, and then hope that everyone else is like, yeah, that flag counts, even though this is kind of already Russia. <laughs> and the guys have already been there. <laughs> yeah, they're popping oh, yeah. in and out. I've lived there. There's a jet ski zooming around <laughs> outside. Then there's why like go? A gen- there's a general store. <laughs> why go is a great a question. Just it would be cheaper to just print new maps and yeah. tell lies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just say, oh, you, who's no, the flag, check? There's a flag there. You just have a look. Who's gonna check? We, we fig- oh, when did when did those girls figure out how to fake the fairy photographs? They were children, you know. Mm. That was that That's was a similar a, time to this, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It would have been they could have faked it. He he also I think it was also for scientific research, which is often you know the, okay. the secondary reason. Oh yeah, like how we've discovered Galapagos turtles are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the. The, the, the idea of this boat coming uh, a year down the track to pick them up, others said the different... It's one of those stories that isn't super well documented, so there's um, varying details about it. Some were like uh, the ship was coming to pick them up. Some were saying it, they were meant to be there for two years and it was going to drop off supplies or maybe drop off supplies and change over the crew. Uh, but anyway, a ship was meant to be coming uh, the following year either way. And that was all part. You only need six months of supplies, heaps of animals to kill and eat there. Um, so great. I mean, no stress. Anyway, guy, I'm at home with my feet up. <laughs> if one of the guys has already been there, surely he would know if that's a lie or not, right? 
Yeah, that's that's right. Like, oh no, no. Since you live there, we've actually <laughs> dropped off like ten thousand cattle. So there's heaps of meat. It's, yeah, it's totally different to when like, you were yeah, there. Yeah, oh, sure. great because it was barren when I was there. Also, <laughs> wait, how old? Well, he would have been. Yeah, he would have been twenty or twenty-one when he was there. So I imagine he, when he was there, he was he would have been a young apprentice or whatever seaman. So potentially. It's hard to know how much he would have actually known. It's not, now he's going as a senior member of the party. Of, well, I mean, all of them are senior members. There's right, not so, many of them. But he wasn't very observant as a as a child. Who knows? Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. Um, yeah, so Mora, who um, survived time on Wrangell Island, that was in uh, 1914 after the shipwreck of the Carluck, which I talked about before. Oh, so, oh, so they was, wrecked on that island. Yeah, oh, it wrecked near that island in ice. You know, the I think it's that area, does the ice just grow out from a landmass, you know, like because yeah, like, the water's freezing or whatever? Yeah, well, if the water's freezing, then that's yeah. ice. Yeah, so I guess maybe it was, it was near the island or... Or whatever. And also, I think pack ice drifts quite a lot too. Yeah, they talk about that a lot. That was sort mm-hmm. of, and that was part of it. Uh, that ice drifted. So I don't think he would have had memories of it. Like, oh, it's a great spot to hang out. Oh, beautiful spot. He was probably just like, oh, I'm excited to go there on purpose. <laughs> yeah, last time was it an unhappy accident? <laughs> yeah. This time I'll, this time I'll absolutely dominate because uh, I'm prepared. For six months at least. Um, Wikipedia.org suggests the explorers were handpicked by Stephenson based upon their previous experience and academic credentials. Stephenson considered those with advanced knowledge in the fields of geography and other sciences for the expedition. So Wikipedia is more like well, that uh, one article by Hulls was like, they're so underprepared. Mm. Wikipedia is like, no, they, he picked a pretty good team here. Well, um, I suppose one's looking at it from the perspective of this is what was this is what he did at the time he chose prepared people and this dot org site is really really suggesting that um oh no the other one it was the other article wasn't it yeah hulls oh well that's you know we know that now yeah, we know yeah. they were woefully underprepared now yes that's right easy to say yeah atlas obscura <laughs> oh come on atlas obscura he was charismatic uh so we're short one member of the final 5 Five go. And the fifth and final member of the party was Ada Blackjack. According to Katie Serena, writing for All That's Interesting, though the crew was vastly underexperienced for the mission, Stephenson believed they were well enough equipped to manage for themselves apart from one thing. They needed a seamstress, preferably an Alaskan native who spoke English. Uh, And this is where Blackjack comes in. Serena continues, as an Inupiat woman... Uh, indigenous to Alaska, Blackjack was expected to have been taught survival and hunting skills. However, being raised by Methodist missionaries, um, she was given almost no practical survival skills. She did, however, know English, uh, at least enough to read the Bible. So um, there was an assumption made that because she was an Inupiat woman, she would uh, have survival skills out in the icy wilderness, but she wasn't brought up uh, in <laughs> and no that one, way. And no one asked. It seems like it, yeah. This this seems, this this woman's history seems like it's just stacks of racism on top yes. of each other. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, I mean, doesn't that make it more satisfying that she's the badass of the story? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, she needed money. The article goes on to say she needed money badly at the time after her husband had run out on her, leaving her with a five-year-old son. Uh, she had nearly no money. Her son, Bennett, suffered from tuberculosis and his care was too expensive for Blackjack to manage. Uh, so upon hearing that there was an expedition that needed an English-speaking Alaskan native with sewing experience and was willing to pay a then unheard of 50 bucks a month, she jumped at the chance. So she took this up. She she took up the op- option. It wasn't particularly well suited to her, but she was kind of desperate, and that's why um, she went along. Oh, I mean, you've all, we've all applied for a job that we thought, I don't know if I could get this. Oh, you're like, am I qualified? And then they hire you and you think, well, do you know what? At this point, it's their fault. That's right. If they didn't check properly. I have the job. I did all my piece. It's their fault if they chose wrong. And I can't assume responsibility for that. (laughs) I will only assume responsibility for my money. Thank you very much. (laughs) But also she was exactly what they asked for. Yeah. She filled the job description. She didn't. I'm, I'm guessing they didn't ask and therefore she didn't know that they were assuming a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so who was Ada Blackjack? Well, according to Hulls, Blackjack, uh, wasn't her, her, uh, birth name. That was one of the good things her husband left, bef- uh, left her with. It's a great name. Her original name's also great. Ada Delatuck. Uh, she was born in 1898 in Spruce Creek, Alaska, a remote settlement north of the Arctic Circle near the gold rush town of Nome. N-O-M-E. However you pronounce that. History has largely forgotten her, though Jennifer Niven's 2004 biography, Ada Blackjack, A True Story of Survival in the Arctic, painted a comprehensive picture of her life. And I think that story was really what uh, brought her story into the modern uh, mind world. I'm so glad to be part of the modern mind world. Wow, I feel like I'm there right now. <laughs> Thanks so much for helping me out, you two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes you just let let the man go. Let the man flounder. <laughs> you never know what genius will come up from a floundering man. Yeah. Mind so world. <laughs> you, you see his hand waving out of the water and you give him a high five. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you got this, buddy. <laughs> and you jet ski away. <laughs> What's the word I was trying to say? Zeitgeist? Zeitgeist. Some, yeah, that's... It's even better than what I was um, it might grasping be. for. I hope that's right. If I'm not right, don't tell me. I'm not sure if her story is quiet in the zeitgeist, but it's at least in the... It's in the geist. <laughs> I don't know the what geist. these words mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the geist, if not the zeit. Um, <laughs> the article goes on. It says, at the age of 16, she married Jack Blackjack, which is amazing. Jack no. Blackjack. No. A local dog musher, and together they had three children. A dog what, sorry? Musha? Musha? I'm assuming it's someone who mushes dogs. Oh, when you like when you have pets and you're like, mush. Like, I guess so. Like, go. I hope it's not actually just like smushing them into a little <laughs> paste or something. Come here, Fido. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dog food maker. No, no, no. I'm a dog. I'm not a dog food maker. <laughs> uh, together they had three children. Two died young uh, uh, before... Um, uh, Bennett came along. Uh, so Bennett Blackjack. Yes. That's a great name too. Very good. But then Jack deserted Ada on the Seaward Peninsula in 1921. The abandoned Blackjack. This is you wild if true. Because there was another another story, another um, uh, article suggested he, he drowned. But this one suggests he, he just left her and her kid or their kid 
and she had to walk 40 miles back to Nome uh, with her five-year-old son, Bennett. When he was too tired to walk, she carried him. The boy suffered from tuberculosis, tuberculosis, like I said before, and Blackjack lacked the resources to properly care for him. Destitute, she placed Bennett in a local orphanage, vowing that she would find a way to make enough money to bring him back home. Uh, it was during this time that Blackjack heard word of an expedition heading for Wrangell Island. They were seeking an Alaska native seamstress who spoke English. She's like, well, that's, that's me. Um, article continues, Blackjack had many misgivings about shipping out with an expedition of four men, especially uh, as she had initially been promised she would be one of many Alaska natives in the party. But the couple, uh, but the odd jobs of sewing and housekeeping she was picking up in Nome were never going to be enough to bring Bennett home. And the Wrangell Island expedition promised a salary of fifty dollars a month, which was huge to her then. But she rocked up ready to go, expecting there to be a bunch of other mm. Alaskans mm. there, and she was the only one. So it was the five of them. Was, there was meant to be a few families there as well. She was going to um, be hanging out with sort of. Brave girl. <laughs> I think at one point, yeah, the idea was that the women were going to uh, be sewing and that sort of stuff and the men were going to be hunting and then I guess the other four guys are just going to be concentrating on planting the flag. <laughs> <laughs> Doing that that thing that with the flag where you need a bunch of, a bunch of guys and you've got to push it into place from, from flat? Yes. I've only seen one picture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephenson wrote in his 1925 book about the expedition, so that gives away a bit that he survived. <laughs> From Spoilers. his home. <laughs> I wouldn't have put that together, so thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> uh, he wrote a book called The Adventure of Wrangell Island. It's so rich that he's writing a book. <laughs> from anyway. his armchair. Uh, so this is from it. The Wrangell party tried to engage at Nome uh, some Inupiat families and did so actually, but when the time came to sail, there arrived at the boat landing only Ada Blackjack, who had been expecting to go along as a member of one of these families engaged. One, I love the slightly flowery way of writing back then. Uh, <laughs> as a member of one of those families engaged. When she found that the others had broken their bargain, she also wanted to withdraw, but was prevailed upon to go by the assurance that the ship, the Silver Wave, would call in at a settlement between Nome and Wrangell to hire families in which Ada could then take her place. So she, they're like, we'll, we'll get some families along the way. They did not do that. Uh, yes. Do you think they even tried to do that? Or they just so I, on? I couldn't. It's unclear, but yeah, maybe they tried. But um, So the traveling party of five was complete. Crawford, Knight, Mora, Gaul, and Blackjack. On that Sep- sounds like a magic spell. <laughs> <laughs> They're all great names, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. On September the 9th, 1921, the crew of five, plus a cat named Vic, Set sail from well, Nome crew of six on the Silver Wave. Yeah, come on, was that the captain, <laughs> Captain Vic, Captain Cat? Uh, so, and I'm pretty sure I don't think they were sailing this ship. I think they were just being they were they were getting dropped off by the ship. Although nothing makes that all that clear either. Uh, the Silver Wave arrived on Wrangell Island on September 16th. So it took a week to get there. Not the longest voyage. In a dictated statement printed in Stephenson's book, Blackjack wrote. When we got to Wrangell Island, the land looked very large to me, but they said that it was only a small island. I thought at first that I would turn back, but I decided it wouldn't be fair to the boys. Soon after we arrived, I started to sew. According to an article on litsitealaska.org, 
by Alexandra J. McClanahan. The island encompasses an area of about 2,000 square miles. It's 80 miles long and 18 to 30 miles wide, which makes it about half the size of Puerto Rico, which is how I like to have things measured. Okay. How many Puerto Ricos is this island? <laughs> how, many, how many Puerto Ricos is this island that we're on? Oh. Do we know? Australia. Yeah. I would say <laughs> a lot of them. Is that, is that specific enough? How many, how many Puerto Ricos is Tasmania? I... I want to know how big this small, okay. big small island is. It's, it's pretty long, 80 miles long. Matt's pulled out the phone. Oh so it's like 10 Eminem origin stories. How many Puerto <laughs> Ricos would fit in Tasmania? Is it going to know that? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you're That's asking thinking. Google a question it's never heard before. That's right. You get a Google whack here. Results from a search. Oh, came up with how many times would Tasmania fit inside Victoria? That's not the question I asked. This is why I trust only .orgs, not .coms. How about you continue on and I'll work it out. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, the party planted a Canadian flag on their arrival and Crawford sent a letter back to <laughs> Stephenson, which was received a month later, saying, Arrived at Wrangell Island last night. Letter to you contains documents. Lots of driftwood and tracks. Looking forward to good winter. No ice yet. This was the only word received from the party. <laughs> oh, no. Because well, I think they just sent this letter back with the ship. There was no plan for communication apart from that. So they're, so they're out on this island without any way of getting back or communicating. So they got to the island, put a flag up, and they're like, whew. Time to set up camp. Yeah. And wait a year. When you said that it was going to be a year till like a ship picked them up, I was thinking, oh, there must be a really long travel time. It was only a week. Yeah, that's right. Just basically swim home. <laughs> yeah. Basically. If there's driftwood, like... just grab it. <laughs> yeah, just drift on the wood. <laughs> Jump on. Stand on one, use the other one as a paddle. It's Easy. a two-step process. It's fine. Oh, well, I have an answer to the question. Oh, yes. Uh, Tasmania is seven and a half Puerto Ricos. Seven and a half Puerto So Rico's. this island uh, would be fit into Tasmania 15 times. Okay. We presume if it's... Cass, does that help? Okay, Okay. so we're thinking one-fifteenth of Tasmania. That's what you're imagining. Okay, that's pretty... And now I also have to consider that I'm small. So if I were to stand on one-fifteenth of Tasmania, I'd be like, oh, that's, I can't see the end of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit like it's big. It's not... Some articles talked about it like a speck in the sea, but it's very visible on maps. You know, it's like it's not It's not tiny. It's a it's yeah. a decent chunk of... Some islands are tiny. Island. Um, I think my great-grandma Name grew one. up on... Name one. <laughs> Ocean Island. My great-grandma grew up on there. I think it was like three kilometres by three kilometres. Well, I don't know it, so I'm going to have to uh, assume you're lying. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. It's not on a lot of maps. <laughs> it's too small. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I actually. Yeah, it's a real island. It's just not any on, on any maps. <laughs> yeah. It's too um, small. It's it's an it's a real island, but uh, I actually don't know how it's doing with global warming. To be it, honest, <laughs> it reminds me of when a guy at school um, said he won a world surfing championship, <laughs> and we and we said, "Oh, cool! Can we show uh, see the trophy?" And he said, "Oh, it was too big to fit on the plane." Sort of similar to that. Only your yours is small. His was too big. Yeah, it's too small to see on a map. Um, the the <laughs> island is real. It just goes to a different globe. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Same guy said he got bitten by a shark but wouldn't be able to show us the scar because <laughs> it was too cold. It was um, too cold to sh- uh, lift his shirt. Do you believe him? Yeah, of course. Great. Well, I mean, very trusting man. I mean, you'd be a fool not to believe him. I mean, you don't become the world champion of surfing without encountering a shark or two. Exactly. I'm surprised he only had the one bite. You know, he's lucky. Yeah, only well, one that he told us about. He wasn't the kind of guy who would just go around <laughs> telling everyone things oh. that had happened to him. God, no. What? You don't want to brag. No, not no. that kind of character. <laughs> he uh, doesn't like attention. The um, So, Stephenson's back home now claiming, you know, getting into the media, claiming the success of the of the mission. A New York Times article uh, ran a little while later saying, Stephenson claims Wrangell Island for Great Britain. The ex- expedition he sent out last fall has established possession, says Explorer. Timed to forestall Japan. He's telling people, he's like, Japan's after it. If we don't get it, Japan's going to get it. <laughs> no proof of this at all. Uh, no one's saying Japan's not coming after it, though. <laughs> I got here just before. The guy- <laughs> I bet they probably just turned around because they saw us here. <laughs> They're like, damn, look at that flag. Look at that flag. Damn it. Clearly there's now. Oh, no, it's the same colours as ours. we got, we got to... We gotta oh. get in there. <laughs> oh, back to Japan. Uh, Stephenson denies that this. This is still from New York Times. Stephenson denies that Russia, to whom the island is allotted on maps, has any right to it. Once it's allotted on the map, there's got to be at least a discussion about whether or not they have a right to it. I mean, that very much. I feel like that's them showing their whole last there, just coming along and be like, "Ah, oh, you know, there's actually no reason. It's theirs." It's like. Buddy, do you have a reason it's you? No, I mean, people from your country and your kingdom, your commonwealth aren't even claiming they want it. The king's like, what are you talking about? All of that, does that sound like I've just read a few, uh, like a paragraph of the article? That was the headline and subheadlines. Wow, just to suck you in. Yeah. It really feels like you've told us the whole story, yeah? yeah? What's the opposite of burying a lead? Yeah. Uh, so, so he's back at home, comfortable. I'm picturing him in front of, in front of a fire, me, feet so up. Was yeah. I. Me too, like mahogany yes. on a stool. Yes, for exactly. Sure. Yeah, like it's roaring. Like he's got yeah. A Phones ringing, ringing hot, just going yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, we're having great success. Yeah, yeah cool. feet Us, in socks, blanket over legs. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, meanwhile, his crew is settling in on Wrangell Island. Due to Stephenson's assurances that they would be able to easily live off the land uh, and the, the idea that there was a ship coming next year with more supplies anyway, they only had the supplies for the uh, six months. And I, I'm like reading this going, uh-oh. <laughs> um, and at first, the party found things pretty much as Stephenson promised. According to Serena... Uh, with her article from the bloody uh, All That's Interesting, the crew arrived as winter dawned but were well stocked with enough supplies to last through the cold months. Then when the spring came, along with it came plentiful game. Throughout the summer, the crew survived by hunting and fishing. Uh, McClanahan continues, They stayed at first in a tent, then built a snow house. And in the spring of 1922, the men killed more than 30 seals and 10 polar bears as well as geese and ducks. It's a five-person crew. Two polar bears each. Yeah. Ooh. Can you eat polar bears? Or maybe maybe they were just having a go. Maybe they couldn't eat polar bears. Or maybe they... Oh, no, they had a seamstress. Maybe they were just one of the skin. 
Right, that's true. You've got to yeah. think of how they keep... I mean, you're probably seeing a polar bear being like, that's the warmest guy here. Yeah. Yeah. i got to get in one of those. <laughs> yeah, for, in my head, I assume they would have packed jackets, but that, why is the seamstress there otherwise? Why not? Why do you need why to have things made? <laughs> yeah. Hang on. You, why do you <laughs> what? Ta- take like your jacket and then two backups or something? Yeah. <laughs> but she's got like what a, a luxury in a five-person crew. One of them's a tailor. Like constantly. Do you need those pants taken up? Yeah. Every day she's just like, what do we Walk need done here? with the measuring tape. Ooh. Maybe maybe to make tents and stuff, maybe. but even those would you, or maybe repairing When I mean, you eat like enough that. seal, you need, you're going to need your pants let out. <laughs> <laughs> you're expanding. I mean, I, mean I, I assume it's to, when you said that, I assumed it was to make things out of fur because if you are yes. as warm as the animals, then... You've yeah, done that, it. You're right. But like if there's five people, it's not like they're having kids or anything. They don't no. have new people to mm. look after. Yeah. Once you've got enough jackets each. Well, yeah, well the, Matt did say she pulled up, she started sewing. Did she then just kind of stop? Hang they, on. If, if she pulled up and started sewing, what was she sewing? Yeah, she had a like, week on the ship. But do they turn up and they're wearing board shorts and they're like, shit, <laughs> yeah. blackjack, come on. Hey, I'm cold. Well, anything you need, you can buy there at Wrangle Island. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, I've only bought carry-on. It's so much cheaper. Um, I bought 35 pairs of underwear in case I shoot myself 32 <laughs> times, but I, then I realized we're here for a year. Um, oh, no, I need other stuff. In, in order. Can you sew me up some more underwears? Can I please have 500 pairs of underwear? <laughs> so... Uh, Blackjack, she kept a diary, and so there's bits and pieces that are straight from her writing pen, or they also had a typewriter, so one or the other, different times. Um, but according to Blackjack, the meat seemed to be plentiful, and that summer, uh, Knight went off by himself to explore and swam across the Skeleton River. Which doesn't, that oh, like no, don't, don't do that. If, if it's gotten that name. Yes, yeah. stay away. And we're in the old times. People... People called them as they see them. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's right. Well, he was never well again after that. Okay, that checks out. That does check out. Never well again. What does that mean? He was, uh, he was sickly, and they weren't sure why. Uh, throughout the summer, the group waited for the supply boat to arrive, but Stephenson's promised boat had been unable to reach the island because of ice. I love the name of the boat. It's called. The teddy bear. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, they didn't have any communication equipment, the teddy bear couldn't communicate to them that, hey, we're nearby, but we can't. We're, we're caught in the ice. We're not going to be able to make it. Um, you better keep thinking of other plans to make it. Yeah, so maybe stock up on some meat for yeah. later. I mean, you've got 10 bears. <laughs> you reckon you can make them last? Bears were famously good for making it through the winter. So I assume that's what that is about. Um, so uh, the New York Times ran a headline then saying, <laughs> Arctic rescuers on the teddy bear caught in the ice. If you didn't know, you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Arctic rescue. It sounds like the uh, editor's tripping. Do you reckon that's something you kept up with? Do you reckon you could have? So in the old times, because you don't get a lot of correspondence, right? So you just read the paper and every few months you'd be like, oh, the teddy bear. Would you have your favourite ships? Oh, I'm sure. Back then. <laughs> Not much going on. You really need something to do, don't you? Yeah. Well, you, oh, genuinely, you probably would have had some that you waved off and then you'd read in the paper and be like, yeah. oh, hey, you, you got sent like, that one off. Yeah, <laughs> you, you I was a, there. You got a cork board of all the articles on it <laughs> pinned to your bedroom wall. 
Um, so, what? and was that just the headline, or was that? That was yeah. <laughs> I only I just thought it was a funny headline. It is, but I mean the article obviously. It's it's a it's again a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of Stephenson talking about how great everything's going. No, no, we're not meant to have been able to he- hear from him. He's like a couple of them. I reckon they're probably not enjoying the cold. No, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's so funny. He's had no ability to find out how they're doing. Months and months have passed. They're great, I assume. Yeah, one of them sick, never to recover. <laughs> he doesn't know that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash D-G-O. Uh, by late fall, conditions worsened for the group and there was now little meat. On January the 8th, Knight and Crawford took the dogs and left for Siberia to get help, but they returned within a couple of weeks because Knight was too sick and weak to travel. They're like, you know, he's, he, I mean, he swam across Skeleton <laughs> River. What was he thinking? <laughs> it's uh, mostly ghoul now, <laughs> poor man. Yeah, oh my goodness. The sickness was a mystery to the crew. But, I mean, it, to me, it doesn't connect at all to the Skeleton River. I think it was just coincidence because they now yeah. think he was likely suffering from a severe case of undiagnosed scurvy. Probably not a lot of lemon trees on I mean, that. You reckon he got that in Skeleton River? I reckon he might have. It <laughs> yep. sucked all the lemon juice out <laughs> yeah. of him. All the vitamin C yeah. went into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on January the 28th, 1923, the crew was starving and running out of options for food. I mean, it was foolish to send two people for help and one of them is your most sickly dude. Well, I get they. I assume they thought he was okay. He was sick, but, you know, he's He'll not going right. to be sick forever and never recover <laughs> oh. with something that we haven't diagnosed. Gosh, and they, that... they didn't figure out that they had to put him back in the skeleton river for yes. the skeletons <laughs> to return his soul. Yeah, well, uh, no one ha- clocked it. Wait for high tide. They didn't know about back. scurvy yet. <laughs> uh, so now they're starving. Yes. Oh, dear. They've, they, but they had so many. 30 seals. I mean, how quickly can you get They must have been seals. like living it up like kings. Yeah. New seal? Oh, there's a bit left on that one. Who cares? Throw it out. New one. <laughs> Crack open a new one. <laughs> Crack open a new seal. Uh, on uh, So they're struggling, running out of options, and the three 
quote, healthy men, Gaul, Mora, and Crawford, left Blackjack to look after night and set off on foot to cross the Siberian ice in an attempt to find help. In her journal, Blackjack wrote, They promised that they would come back after they got to Nome. With a ship, if they could, and if they couldn't, uh, they would come over with a dog team next winter. They left with a team of five dogs and a big sled of supplies. So they, isn't that funny? It's like, were they the last supplies that they left with? That big sled of supplies? Just eat the dogs. <laughs> yeah, there was, these, this is the first time these dogs have come up. Yeah, so they just... You're saying eat the dogs. No, I'm saying... But I mean, once you've you... eaten the dogs... You can't get out you, now. Then you can't get out. Then why didn't they go with the dogs? Yeah, I'm guessing if it's it... just a space thing. But they, I mean, she said herself, and maybe this is, was her point. Big sled of big sled of supplies. Maybe that was her point in her diary. Going, it's pretty big. I don't. I'm not saying anything, but that was a <laughs> yeah. pretty big sled of supplies. I don't, I'm sure they accounted for this, but in my mind, if you're feeding dogs, you have to feed them meat, which means it's stuff that you could be eating. Mm. So yeah, but I, I suppose that if they travel so fast, yes, a cover ground that you couldn't. couldn't and also, cover. if you, you you got a guy who's sick and bedridden, he's maybe not surviving. They'd have to camp out in rougher conditions in like a built-up um, snow snow house. I don't know. I'm, am I? You ask good questions, and I just think I'm giving pretty good answers. I like him. <laughs> I like him. I'm sweating. <laughs> in my mind, I know this is wrong. I want to put that out there. But in my mind, I'm like, just have everyone lie down on the sled so it's less air resistance. Yeah. And then the dogs will be fine. Yes. And everyone keeps warm. Wait till warmth. it rains a little bit and then the snow's slippery. Yeah. It's fine. Slide home. Uh, Find a hill. Roll. Tuck and roll. So they, they left with their team of five dogs, the big sled of supplies. And those three men were never seen again. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what about the dogs? Uh, <laughs> oh, the dogs, they're still around today. Oh, fine. <laughs> Do we know anything about the cat? Yeah, cat still cat stayed at the camp. So the cat uh, didn't go off with the dogs. Cats are survivors. Yeah. I'd be like thinking, cat, wherever you're going, I'm <laughs> going with the cat. That's right. <laughs> so they've gone off, never seen again. Um, were they heard from again? No. Uh, no. Tasted again. No. Nope. Did I- someone eat them? <laughs> According to Serena, no word of them reaching any Siberian towns was ever recorded. So they're just, they're lost out there on the ice somewhere. Should we find them? I, I mean, their bones would still be out there, right? Maybe it's Skeleton River. That's oh. the first place I'd look for bones. <laughs> <laughs> Have you checked Skeleton River? Huh? <laughs> so now it's Blackjack, this sick guy, and Captain Cat. Yes. Hanging out. Vic in, the cat. In their structure. Yes, that's right. And of course you wouldn't want to eat the cat, but you would think about it every day, right? Yeah. As you're feeding it, you'd be like, you, fu- you fucking That's cat. the thing. Again, cats eat meat, which means you could be eating what the cat's eating. Right. Do you want to be eating cat food? Uh, how, I mean, how, how desperate are you? How long before you get into the whiskers? I don't know. I look at cat food, and I think maybe more dog food, but <laughs> some of that stuff, it, some of it looks pretty good to me. <laughs> oh, the wet food with the jelly? Yeah, maybe not the wet food. You prefer Are like you thinking, you thinking dog biscuits? You like dr- <laughs> dry food? Are we going like- chum? So chunky you can carve it. That's what I'm into. <laughs> Cut me up a slice of that. Oh, yum! Do you want to heat it up or cold's fine? Straight out of the fridge. 
Oh, yeah, straight out of the fridge. Feel a bit like Devon or Fritz if it's straight out the fridge. Yeah, nice thin it's slice. Like a little deli oh. slice treat. Bit of cheese. Beautiful. Bit of pepper. Tomato. Fig Lovely. and blue oh, cheese. Tomato sauce oven. between just some oh, white yeah. bread. Fantastic. I started salivating. <laughs> <laughs> tomato sauce just between white bread, including the dog food or just... Oh, including the dog okay. food. Okay. <laughs> you just started naming things you like to eat. <laughs> and then a lasagna, imagine. <laughs> Oof. And you'd have, you know, just have some of the crunchy stuff uh, for, you know, an appetizer. Yeah, or a garnish. Or I think, well, okay, if we're working with this, I think it's important to mix our textures to really elevate the palate. So if we've got the soft on the bottom, mm-hmm. just maybe a little bit of the dog biscuits in it. As croutons. Crumb, yeah, like maybe crumbed up a bit fine. Okay, so yeah, it just, yeah. it surprises your mouth. You're like, what am I eating? <laughs> what is this? If I'm ever going on an expedition, you're coming as chef. <laughs> <laughs> we've got our dog food chef here. <laughs> It's like if you can make um, me hungry based on dog food, I reckon. I mean, I did a lot of that myself, but. Um. <laughs> it was a team effort. We're all hungry for dog food now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going wacko for a smacko. <laughs> <laughs> right now. We're all chums, chum. Uh, so, Blackjack and uh, the Unwell Knight are alone at camp. Unbeknownst to them, they're the only ones who anyone even knows what happened to them from here. Um,. Knight's bedridden. So it's sort of like Blackjack and Knight are left to fend for themselves, but really it's Blackjack is left to fend for both of them. And the cat. And the cat. Well, the cat's probably looking after itself, as cats do. According to Serena, Blackjack took over the duties of the three men in addition to her own. Day in and day out. She's still sewing. She's still doing it. (laughs) Still making new outfits. Gosh, I've got to fill this order. Wait, what are the duties she's doing? I guess she's expecting them to come. uh, Maybe they'll come back. Oh, they'll be furious if they come back and I haven't haven't made made a new new autumn wear. Uh, So day in and day out, she stacked wood, cared for night, hunted for food, made dinner and tended to the camp. She was was the chef and the, the seamstress. Great. Uh, recording all of her activities in a diary or typing them out on the ship's typewriter, which I love that they brought that, but not enough food supplies. <laughs> Although it does sound like it that they had enough meat to last. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm no meat expert, but feels like 10 polar bears <laughs> should see out a couple of years. They Maybe- would have kept all right in the ice. You would have you would have thought you could have made like a little ice box out of them. They needed some food preservation experts. Yeah. Once saw someone... Uh, doing survivalist stuff, and they smoked enough fish to last them six weeks. Wow! Whoa! But then they then then they got that thing where um, you know, like paradoxical undressing. You know, when if you get really really cold, you think you're hot, and you take all your clothes oh, off. Oh yes, that can happen if you are very very hungry as well. He hoarded food um, enough for six weeks, and then was starving to death. Oh, yeah, it's a thing that happens. So hungry that you think you're full. Well, I th- I, th- I assume I what it was is sometimes. because he was so lacking in food, he just kept storing it and storing it, but he just didn't you eat think, any. You think, I can't eat it now. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, got to, I've got to make this it's last. It's like me as a kid with Easter eggs. <laughs> Gonna have this now. <laughs> Next Easter comes around, I go, oh, double Easter eggs this <laughs> <Yeah>. year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> according to a 1924 LA Times article, she served as doctor, nurse, companion, servant, and Huntswoman in one. Love that. Is she wearing different hats for these different roles? Different hats, yes. She mm. sewed herself up multiple different <laughs> hats. <laughs> uh, according to McClanahan, she kept a bag of warm sand at night's feet and sewed pillows of oatmeal sacks stuffed with cotton to ease his bed sores. Just sounds like she's dominating. She's just nailing everything. Yeah, God. And, and she had no survival skills before. Yeah, this. supposedly. Amazing. 
Um, you were, I'm guessing you're thinking, no, it must be appreciating this. Yeah, for sure. Well, mm. apparently he did not. Um, according to Hull, the dying man projected the rage he felt over his helplessness onto her, criticising her constantly for not taking better care of him. Blackjack did not outwardly allow his blows to land, but confided in her diary, writing, He never stopped to think how much it's hard for women to uh, take four man's place, to woodwork and to hunt for something to eat for him and do waiting uh, to his bed and take his shit out for him. <laughs> she's just like, it's so funny. She's like, hey, he's never really, I'm doing everything. She <sighs> sounds so patient, even in her private diary. She's like, has he ever thought about how I'm doing all the things? It and he's still saying I'm not doing enough. Yeah, it's your diary. You can just be as mean as you want. <laughs> Yeah, but still, still considering of, like she's oh, been kind let's of think generous. About like, his mount mental state. Yeah, he's never stopped to think. <laughs> uh, oh. This went on for months. Knight finally succumbed to his illness, though, on June the twenty third, nineteen twenty three. So this is there was a few months of this her working, doing all the jobs and oh, keeping two geez. of them alive. I wonder if you feel relief or you think, oh no, now I'm alone. Yeah, you know I, I mean, fully. Like no companion, but also. He was a bit of a prick. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was having to do a lot of work yeah, just to work. keep him going in a in a, a way that he's not happy. Yeah, but, but I guess you'd be hoping that someone's coming to rescue you any day. Yeah. Maybe that's what keeps Try you going. Try to take it yeah. day by day. Yeah, you'd also have, you'd have less to do and that could potentially be horrible. Right, True. alone yeah. with nothing to do and yeah. no idea what's, if anyone's coming, yeah. I mean, in my life of luxury, I'm like, oh, I, I just like cooking more if I'm cooking for another person. So I can't even imagine what this would be like. <laughs> uh, she recorded the event on the camp's typewriter, writing, The date of Mr. Knight's death, he died on June 23rd. I don't know what time he died, though. Anyway, I'll write the date just to let Mr. Stephenson know what month he died and what date of the month. Written by Mrs. Ada Blackjack. I was just like, I don't, know, I don't, I don't, know, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Just in case Stevens wants to know, this anyway. is the day. <laughs> don't know what time. Um, sorry, I'm really busy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Knight's death left Blackjack as the last surviving member of the party. And for someone without any real experience in the Arctic elements, this must have been a challenging scenario to say, say the least. But thinking of returning to her son back in Alaska, Blackjack got to work, surviving. You know, Serena continues, as she didn't have the strength to bury Knight's body, she left him in his sleeping bag and constructed a wall of boxes and old supplies around him to protect him from animals and the elements. Then she moved into the storage tent and fortified it for survival. Basically, just because it was not a pleasant place to Mm. live anymore because there was a slowly, very slowly decaying body in there. Because it was still very, it was still cold, but. Oh, he's on ice. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Article goes on, using old supplies and boxes, she constructed a cupboard in which she kept her field glasses and ammunition, as well as a gun rack where she kept her rifle and a raised platform uh, that she could hunt from. I wish I could see this. This sounds amazing. It's so sick. I think there are photos. Um, for a woman who had spent her life terrified by polar bears, isn't that amazing? That's some. She always had this big fear of polar bears. Oh, my God. By two years into her journey, Ada Blackjack was a natural at tracking them. Though she didn't hunt them, she tracked them to find out where other prey was so that she could hunt that Mm. and also to make sure they didn't get too close to her camp. Um, There were close calls at one point when she was out hunting 
Uh, she barely escaped an attack from a mother polar bear and her cub. Uh, she wrote of the ordeal, Finally, I realized it was a polar bear and I was 400 yards from my tent. I turned and ran and just as I, uh, just as hard as I could until I got to my tent. I was just about ready to faint when I got there too. <laughs> Still pretty chilled about it. Uh, Hull writes, for three months, Blackjack was alone. She learned how to set traps to lure white foxes. Says she learned. I mean, she taught herself. She's- Is she getting a YouTube tutorial? Like, how, <laughs> how do you find out how to do that? That's wild, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that you're right. That language is wrong. She self-taught everything. <laughs> self-taught tracker. Self-taught wood mechanic. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I guess some of the the others, she there might have been things she picked up, and then there would have been equipment around. She just figured out how to use. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that um, she built up that stand so she could. She basically had a spot to look out and uh, protect the camp from polar bears on watch. So she's also her own sentry. Yeah. Amazing. Um, uh, so she taught herself to shoot birds, build a platform above her shelter that so she could spot polar bears in the distance, crafted a skin boat from driftwood and stretched canvas after the one initially brought to the island was lost in a storm. She even experimented with the expedition's photography equipment, taking pictures of herself standing outside the camp. So there's a bunch of photos. She just started teaching herself photography. <laughs> in short, she was doing pretty well for herself. <laughs> Like, I think it really, actually, you were saying with the night thing dying. Is that- yeah, it sounds like she's excelled with that. <laughs> yeah. Really. Uh, then on August the 20th, 1923, almost two years after landing. Two years. Harold God. Noyce and his crew aboard the Donaldson <laughs> arrived to rescue. Noyce. Noyce. <laughs> That's what she was thinking. Noyce. <laughs> they arrived to rescue her, but rescues in inverted commas. Because oh. Didn't really need rescuing. Oh, okay, great. Sorry. I oh, that, good. Uh, yeah, I was about to like, like you know, enslave her or something horrific. Hey, do we have cat updates right now? Cat's still doing fine. Yes! <laughs> cat survived. So it's her and the cat. Was she talking to the cat? <laughs> Gotta be talking to the you cat. You can't oh, not talk be. to the cat. I was thinking as you were talking about how you would even mentally do anything and like you just would never you you would have to keep talking yourself yeah you'd wilson it you'd, you'd have to talk sing to the songs. cat talk to the cat yeah. and then do a diary every day trying to you know get your thoughts out maybe yeah. reading it out loud or something yeah and just um I, it's kind of interesting to think how many more skills she would have learned if she was there <laughs> yeah no dave you're she right. invented so- podcasting <laughs> she might have just enough time um, they've just rocked up and so they've rocked up to rescue her. Uh, Noyce, Harold Noyce, <laughs> uh, he was an old, He used to work with uh, old mate. Um, I've said his name so many times. Who's the guy? Stephenson. Stephenson. Yeah. I always, I constantly picture him in a nightcap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's nodding off. Nodding off. Yeah, a with a glass of brandy one. in his Ooh. hand. Oh, yeah, still <laughs> kicking <laughs> goals <laughs> over yeah, there. Fat red cheeks. <laughs> Where's the boat? <laughs> Uh, so, so Noyce and the crew arrive. And have they been sent to find them? Yeah, I think that's the idea. They know, well, I think they're assuming everyone's going to still be there. Yeah. Um, but rather than finding someone in dire need of rescue, like they were anticipating, the ship's crew noted that, uh, quote, Blackjack had mastered her environment so far that it seems likely she could have lived there another year, although the isolation would have been a dreadful experience. Uh, the press dubbed Blackjack the female Robinson Crusoe, and Hull's what, Robinson Crusoe cl- classic book, right, David? Yeah, have you got around Wr- to that one? On haven't book written, uh, haven't read it. No, but it was one of those first ones that was written, 
uh, as if it was a true story. Right. And published and for a while people were like, oh, this, this is a real guy. Ah. Right. Well, uh, Ada Blackjack is a real person. Yeah, That's there you go. funny that it's called the female Robinson Crusoe, not the real Robinson Crusoe. Um, anyway, and Hulls continues. Sorry, as the <laughs> feminist of the podcast, I had to throw that in. <laughs> you're a woman before you're real. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Hulls continues as news of the expedition's tragic end spread. Blackjack found herself at the epicenter of a flurry of press attention, lauding her as a hero and praising her for her courage. But the quiet seamstress shied away from the attention and titles, insisting that she was simply a mother who had needed to get home to her son. Not all the attention was positive, though. Uh, As McClanahan writes, she was criticised by one of her rescuers for not finding a way to save Knight's life. Matt, like... Oh, you did. Why didn't you just cure his scurvy? That we still don't know that that's what he died of. You've learned everything else. Why didn't you enroll in medical school? So strange. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, I see you've got these like oat bags and warm sand to tend to him, but (laughs) did you consider, I don't know, sucking the poison out of his wounds? (laughs) Like, did you bloodlet? Always bloodlet. But um, maybe uh, this this is nice though, because. Knight's parents eventually vindicated her after meeting with her and issuing a statement that Blackjack had done everything possible to save their son's life. Uh, on her return, Hull says Ada was reunited with Bennett, her son, Yay! and used her payment, which was uh, much less than she'd been promised. I mean, 50 a month for two years, right? Yeah. So step, like I think it was even underpaid. Yeah, it was underpaid. The contract was for a year, and I think it was underpaid on even that. Do you know what the modern equivalent would be monetarily? Dave, can you look that up? Nineteen twenty-one fifty pound, uh, fifty dollars Canadian dollars. Uh, I think American US okay. USD. Um, but she she used uh, that payment um, to seek treatment for her son's tuberculosis in Seattle at the Seattle Hospital. She later had a second son named Billy. And returned to live in Alaska. Apparently, she got into she she used some of her skills that she'd taught herself. She she would mm. hunt reindeer and stuff. Uh, reindeer, rain or deer, some sort of deer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Be- Good on the correction because it's less getting it getting into something and more continuing your natural talent. Yeah, that's right. Um, Finally developed skills. Did you find out? I do have a a number from uh, officialdata.org. Oh, okay. that right. Who have an inflation calculator? $50 in 1921 is equivalent to just under $750 today. So that's $750 US. US. So that's, yeah. So it's about a thousand Aussie dollars, so not. So 12 grand. And the, he underpaid on that. Um, I mean, that's not a lot for a year's worth of work, especially when, I mean, she was doing the work at four. Yeah, it should and actually And again, hazard pay, I think, should have yeah, been included. For sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So she had a. She had another. She returned had another son. Moved back to back to Alaska. But despite the seemingly happy ending, Blackjack's remaining years were tinged with pervasive sadness and poverty. While Stephenson and others, uh, including Noyce, <laughs> profited from the story of the tragic expedition, Blackjack saw none of that money. And smear campaigns against her character later emerged, claiming that she had callously refused to care for Knight. Uh, but like I said, Knight's parents said, no, 
<laughs> I don't, yeah, it's so weird that they needed to maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'm not oh sure what the God. motivation there was. Again, probably racism. Yeah, jealousy potentially. She yeah. was seen oh. as the hero because you know she was clearly the hero of the story. Yeah, Stephenson's like, um, actually, um, actually, I'm the female Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> so there might even be a bit of you know, oh well, patriarchal thinking and thinking, oh, the little guy should have survived. And the woman yeah, should yeah, know. That's right. If you could survive, why couldn't this yeah, man? Yeah, why couldn't yeah. he? What did you do? Also, because you are a mother or a woman, therefore no mother things, why couldn't you make him better? You should have known how to do that. Cass, I don't don't want to be rude to a guess, yeah. but uh, I'll do the feminizing around here, okay? So Okay, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Thank you for <laughs> pretty, putting me in my place. That's actually pretty important that, <laughs> that you leave that sort of stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't take up space. Thank you. Stop taking up my space. <laughs> Let me lean in for for a moment. Uh, people understand irony listening usually. Um, so her son Bennett's health issues were never fully resolved and he died of a stroke in 1972 at the age of 58. Blackjack oh. followed her son roughly a decade later, passing away in a nursing home in Paul- Palmer, Alaska at the age of 85 and she was buried by Bennett's side. She extended his life so much, though. So much, yes. And she lived. She lived to eighty-five. She lived nineteen eighty-three. She, she passed. Amazing. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, so she would have seen parachute pants. Uh, yeah. Did parachute pants make did it she, in that early? Did she invent them? She probably actually seems just. Yeah, them. for sure. Big influence. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. She based them on uh pollen pants. <laughs> <laughs> After her death, her second son, Billy, spoke lovingly of his mother, saying, I consider my mother, Ada Blackjack, to be one of the most loving mothers in the world and one of the greatest heroines in the history of Arctic exploration. She survived against all odds. It's a wonderful story that should not be lost of her self-discovery and cultural reawakening. And it's a story of a mother fighting to survive, to live so she could carry on with her son, Bennett, and help uh, him fight the illness that was consuming him. She succeeded, and I was born later. Her story of survival in the Arctic will be a great chapter in the history of the Arctic and Alaska. Time is running out, and soon this chapter will fade away unless we care enough to make a record of it. Uh, After his mother passed, Billy mounted a plaque on her grave which simply said, The Heroine of Wrangell Island. Which is uh, very sweet. Well, yeah, because it's sort of like... Wasn't the nicest end, but it's so the way Billy. Sp- I just love that. Um, except what Billy said. That's really beautiful, and we all think we have the most loving mothers, but I mean that guy's probably right, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, how many of your mothers have uh, gone to the Arctic <laughs> and uh, yeah, learnt how to survive for two years in the wilderness just to try and earn fifty bucks a month? I don't think mine has, and no, I don't have a word I, to I her about it. I don't think I can claim that yeah. on mine no. either. Come on. Yeah, maybe our mums are in the top five, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the end of the report. I guess is there the one loose end is uh, the island, despite the flag being planted, the island has always remained as part of Russia and is now a wildlife refuge. And as a fun fact, according to that great website, wikipedia.org, Wrangell mm-hmm. Island is the last known place on Earth where woolly mammoths survived. It was until around 4,000 years ago. Ah. That little island, that's Gosh. the last known 
um, spot uh, where woolly mammoths survived. So yeah. you're thinking about, you know, size relativity. Woolly mammoths probably did think it was pretty small. Yeah. Yeah, for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every, like they're, they're dying out everywhere and that's the last spot. Yeah, shattered. Anyway, that's my report on the legendary Ada Blackjack. Oh, absolutely loved it. Love that. Yeah. Love, love an Arctic story, an Antarctic story, and I love a survival story. And um, what do you know what else we love? Mums. Mums. <laughs> we, we love love. Mums. We love mums. And people we love we love a happy ending. I think that is a happy ending. Like if you if your story starts out with a two years in the Arctic and it ends with old age death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're in your mid eighties? Yeah. Are you crazy? <laughs> so yeah, quite amazing. Um yeah, and I I really enjoyed um reading about it it's just it's like where's the movie it's mm. got, there should be a hollywood movie about this um just trying to uh there's a few of the people who chris smith his suggestion when they suggest the topic cast um listeners can write a little bit next to it to say why mm-hmm. and uh this is what chris smith wrote all stories of polar survival are fascinating and this time it isn't a white guy <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, that that one I, I saw later, but my f- favorite one was uh, let me find it here was by Jessica Banazak. She wrote three in one: the story of an Inupiat uh, woman who, in 1921, volunteered to accompany four American slash Canadian men on a mission to the remote Wrangell Island in Russia. They meant to claim the island for Canada, were stranded for two years, and only Ada survived. Biography, adventure, and a mystery? What? <laughs> <laughs> we love a good pitch. That's a great love pitch. A pitch. And anyone can suggest a topic at any time through our website, dogoonpod.com. Yes. And the there are, says submit a topic. Submit a topic. And there are th- thousands in there. So if there is something that makes it stand out like that, it really does help. Yeah. You've got to make it pop. That's yeah, right. I definitely you gotta I, sell it. I'm real. I really. I look at at the title and then the um, it's because there, there are some that just they don't write anything in that uh in the why do you think this would be an interesting topic? If you're suggesting it and you can't think of a reason why it'd be interesting, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for uh, listening, um, uh, Cass and Dave. Cass, do you want to hang around for the second part of the show? Yeah, it's, what, it's most listeners' favorite part of the show. Oh. Well, I'd love to join everyone for that. That would be wonderful. Right. Well, it actually, um, it starts off with a jingle. We, it's basically we thank a few of our Patreon um, supporters. We also we answer a few questions. We just have a bit of fun, and uh, it actually has a jingle. And Jess normally does the jingle, Dave. So you might have to do it this week. How does it go again? Fact, quote, or question. Ding. He always remembers the ding. Cass, that must have been a full-on thing to see. Um, that was beautiful. A jingle you, isn't a jingle without a dingle. That's true. <laughs> I used my whole dingle. <laughs> so the way this works is people can get involved going to, by going to patreon.com slash dogoonpod or dogoonpod.com. And uh, depending on the level you sign up to, there's different rewards and, and benefits or whatever you call them, uh, including on um, uh, some levels you get bonus episodes, three per month. Yeah, three per month. There's over 100 in the back catalogue now that people can listen to. Uh, so you're saying if I signed up to the Do Go On Pod Patreon right now, mm-hmm. I'd immediately get access to 100 episodes? Exactly. Over 100. 
I mean, that's good value. That's good that value. It does sound like good value. That's right. Even in 1921 money, that's good value. Uh, and you can also you get other things like access to the exclusive Facebook Patreon group uh, and other such things. You get to uh, voting rights on uh, topics. You know about live shows before anyone else. Get a bit of pre-sale, get in there. Pretty much know about anything before any, everyone else and in like all aspects of life. part of a cool club, actually. <laughs> Honestly, it is a club slash cult, some have said. Ooh. But nice. Uh, Charismatically. Yeah, yes. exactly. Those we, words are both... Three of the letters in those words are the same. <gasps> club and cult. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. And oh my what gosh. is a B but not a T who's touching his toes? Yes. That's what I've always said. I've heard him say that. Mm. Uh, so th- uh, one of the other things you get to do uh, is give us a fact, a quote, or a question. You have to be on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Edition uh, Rest in Peace level or something along those lines. And if you're involved in that, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. And you also get to give yourself a title. This week, uh, I'm going to read out four, much like every other week. And the first one <laughs> comes from Drew Forsberg, who's given himself the title of the beloved side admiral. <laughs> As opposed to the, the dreaded rear admiral. That's <laughs> 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 uh, funny. That's good fun. Good I fun leave myself open to wedgies, wet willies, and the dreaded rear admiral. <laughs> uh, so Drew has given us a quote, and I don't think we probably it's probably the least used of the three. And Drew Forsberg's quote is "diplomatic immunity," <laughs> and that was said by the. South African guy in Lethal Weapon 2 <laughs> immediately prior to said immunity being revoked by LAPD <laughs> officer Danny Glover. <laughs> it's a great moment in cinematic history and uh, I really appreciate you, Drew, for bringing that up. Any thoughts on that? I mean, it's just a quote. So um, it- no, a big fan. Haven't seen the movie. Don't need to now. Yeah. You, are you familiar with that that bit? No. No. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not. But it feels I'm like I'm so glad you got to experience for the first time here. Do you know what it feels like? It feels like I've been delivered like a monster shake. You know, you remember when monster shakes were pretty big? No. Like the unicorn shakes. It'd pretty much be a milkshake, but you would cover like the outside of the container with like syrup and, and a hamburger. Oh. God, how yeah. could, could you pick it up? No, like they used to come in like handled jars, like you know the mason jars with handles on them. Yeah, so they right. like drip syrup all on the outside and they cover it with cream and ice cream. Kind of made for Instagram. Yeah, it was more pretty- for the photo than the consumption. Yeah, exactly. It's like someone's presented me with a monster shake. I've looked at it and thought, I don't want to touch it because then I'm going to be sticky. <laughs> and so what I've done is taken like the sour worm or whatever off the top and just eaten that and been like, you know what? That was the best bit. Diplomatic immunity. Is it you or Jess who loves to say it? I would imagine most people like, love to say no, it. I feel like you've both quoted it on the show multiple times. Yeah, I feel like I haven't said it in a while, but I used, I mean, I'd, probably because I've forgotten it, I'd forgotten about it until then, but always loved it. Favorite bit of that movie for sure, hands down. <laughs> How's your South African cast? Can you do diplomatic immunity better um, than me? Because I really feel like I used to think I could do it, but maybe even, it was you who used to do it frequently. Yeah. yeah, I was unconvinced by my performance there. I can only say rooibos tea. Rooibos tea. Oh, no, that was bad. Well, I can say, uh, to me, a grudge is just a place you park your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, regret face there. Anyway. Uh, the next one comes from Rachel Johnson, who has given herself the title of Supervisor of Pipes and Pies. Wow. Oh, okay, great. Uh, 
couple uh, of is, them. Is there a pipe that brings the pie to my gob? Um, pipe is just a pie with a pee in it. Oh, my goodness. And what is a pee if not a legume? Tea toast. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so Rachel's asking a question here. The question is, last time I asked what reality TV show you'd each choose to go on, so this time I'll ask which TV quiz show or game show you'd most like to go on. And Rachel has done what I I really encourage people to do. If you ask a question, please answer it yourself as well. Uh, Do you want Rachel's answer? You answer first because yours might be the same, I reckon. Um, I, I know you're a big fan of this show. Definitely pointless yes, in the UK. Rachel's oh, my goodness. Agrees. I love that show so, so much. <laughs> Such a great show. Um, first fell in love with it when I went to England about eight years ago and it just happened to be on during the afternoon and uh, I made sure that I was home. I'm on a holiday where I've paid lots, of, like all of my student money to go somewhere and I'm making sure at 4pm every day I'm back in the hotel so I can watch this TV show. Yeah, but it's part of being in the oh, culture. Exactly. Yeah. I experienced it. I love it. And uh, now it's up on, uh, I've watched episodes on YouTube and stuff like that. Love it. Pointless is like the opposite of family food, yeah? Yes, that's right. You have to try, try and find the most obscure answer. Mm, love to be random. Oh, oh It'll live for it. <laughs> So good, but do you um, have an, an answer, Cass? Um, well, does it have to be a so it's a quiz show specifically? Yes. I oh well, so. look. Well, I reckon all game shows. Yeah, sorry. probably game show. Game show. Ooh. We should go on Takeshi's Family Castle? Feud. Takeshi's <laughs> Castle. Takeshi's Castle. Oh, what's that? It's the. It's more of an obstacle. It's the Japanese oh, obstacle course one oh, game yeah, show. Awesome. It would just be fun to get walloped by one of those. But hang on. No, let's go back. Family Feud. <laughs> family Feud. Family Feud. Oh, Family Feud. We could go on as a family. Yeah, we could be a family. Do they We're, allow that? Yeah. Well, do you know what? No, maybe Family Feud's a good one because you can go on because every now and then they'll do like a charity one or they'll yep. do a special. So you don't have to be a family, but you can be an other kind of unit. Yeah. So we could be. We're a unit. The podcasting Melbourne family. I like right. that. Well, uh, yeah. obviously, uh, for copyright reasons, it has nothing to do with Family Feud. But at the start of last year, do you remember we had oh, Family yeah, Food? Right. Oh, which was weirdly uh, completely similar, different. Similar game Legally. show in some yeah. ways, but um, where we actually had Sans Pants Radio versus Planet Broadcasting. And Does uh, that exists somewhere. I th- it's, it must exist somewhere. We filmed the video of it, it didn't. and uh, I co-hosted it with Jackson Bailey. That was so fun. We raised money for uh, the bushfires. Yeah, that was Remember a lot of fun. Remember the old tragedies of <laughs> yeah. yore? My goodness. So that was sort of January, February last year yeah. before the world, world changed. But that's a, that's a great answer. I love the Japanese game show. Matt? Yeah, well, this is a tricky one. I mean, they're all they all seem fun. I'd love to be on Wheel of Fortune saying top dollar. <laughs> you love top dollar. Top, yeah, I can <laughs> I see that sort it. of stuff. Real funny when it when a quiz show is around for so long that mm. there there's like cliches that oh, come pro- up. Uh, and finale. Oh, Booyah! Like, what about No Deal? No Imagine deal. saying No Deal to a suitcase. No Deal, Andrew. <laughs> no Deal. No lock Deal. It, lock it in, Eddie. Yeah, oh, people yeah, love that. Right. For who you wants to be a millionaire? Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, but I love, I think, like you, Dave, I love the really weird, daggy English ones. Oh, like Eggheads? Eggheads. Is so sh- it just looks like a show where they don't realise TV cameras are rolling. <laughs> it really doesn't. It's like they have, they have no idea. Do they know people are watching? What's Eggheads? 
There's a team of four... Like trivia masters yeah, called they're, the Eggheads. Yeah, they're the Eggheads. And then a team of four challenges them, and the Eggheads nearly always win, but then... What's if, the opposite of charisma? Because yeah, that's everyone that's on right. that show. If the Egghead Competence. Gets, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> if I'm a, one of the Eggheads and Matt is also one, if he gets an answer wrong, I'm like, oh. Yes. Oh, all right. I knew that one. Like, it's yeah, just, they're so brutal it's to each other. Really, yeah, it's a real strange vibe that but one. But there's so many of those English ones. But that like we don't tipping care. point. What's that one? That's on in afternoon TV at moment in Australia, where it's a quiz show, and then you get. Uh, tokens that drop in this big machine. It looks like something yeah. you play at Time Zone or something. Right, and it's they put- bounce down, and you want them to knock over the edge. And every token that ends up landing over the tipping point, you had a grand you or get, something. Oh, you get to keep that token. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won six tokens. It's so weird. It's like light, flashing lights, and you know they zoom, heart crash zoom, <laughs> and then it's just the same sort of just couple of people talking like they don't realise the cameras are on. You know, they're just, it's just so sort of mumbly Great. and... <laughs> Love it. So good. Yeah. Mm. I, can't, yeah so. I wish we had more of a game show culture here because my dream would be to just come up with a concept for one. Yeah, I think right. we do have a little bit of a game show culture. I think we're just, maybe we sit outside of it. Maybe it's not the culture we want. You want to you set up a new game show, a and rival yeah, game show culture. All we do is basically see what's successful in like European market and bring it over here yeah. and do an adaptation. Yeah, we franchise. But I'd love to... Come up with something new. Right. Just love the idea of it. Don't care who hosts it, just yeah. I want to do the concept. I did like I did like we did a countdown here. We did letters and numbers, and that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. It still carried show. gentle vibes. A lot of fun. Um, our Bake Off shows, I guess it's not really a quiz or a David Astle, who I know a little bit was the he was the our letters and numbers person. Dictionary guy. Mm. Fantastic work. <laughs> that was that had the vibe of the English shows a little bit. Yeah. That sort of, it's just very chilled out. A lot, I, yeah. But it didn't have any of the crash zooms or anything that uh, Tipping Point has. <laughs> tipping Point, a bizarre <laughs> dichotomy of styles. Um, and yeah. Rachel's, right, Rachel's answer, are we, are we, tell me we're going on Pointless together because you play in pairs. Yeah, great. I think that makes sense. Um, great question. Thank you so much, Rachel. No, what? what's Rachel? That was Pointless, yeah. Oh. Didn't I already say that? Yeah, so you implied, but I thought there might be an explanation. No, from no, no explanation. Just yeah, great. So hopefully, Rachel, if you're interested, pointless. Uh, we could go on pointless together. I think that's a great idea. That'd be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for that question, Rachel. Uh, I'd really, I'd be up for going on any quiz shows. I'd, I quite love, I like a quiz. They're fun. I often, I often wonder what my topic would be on hard quiz. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you guys right. ever wonder this? Yeah, hard yeah. quiz. That's an Australian. That's a that's a good one. one. We've, I think it's an Aussie creation. But it is very similar to others, right? What is that one that Peter Burner used to host? Oh, the Einstein factor. It's not that far off that. It's either. similar to that, but with a sassy host, Tom Gleeson, who does a great job. Wasn't but, Peter Burner sassy enough for you? <laughs> not in the way that Tom is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I had another thought there. It does not matter at all. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. This next one come. What was? What did did you ask me something that I just ignored? Yeah, your expert f- topic. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Do you know sorry. what your <laughs> expert topic would be on hard quiz? I don't. I not. I'm not sure. It could, depending on the week, it'd be whatever I just read about. Maybe tism. But I don't even think I'd probably there'd be real tism like hardcore tism. Yeah, fans but what you do, you'd have to. You'd pick your topic. You get your your date, and you'd be like, "All right, I'm studying that. Yeah, I'd study it up." Mm. Do you yeah. have one, Cass? I'm not sure. No, but I guess I didn't consider that. Of course, you'd have lead up time. I whenever I imagine hard, hard quiz, I always imagine I'm 
I'd be on the spot immediately. Right. It's like, quick, we're going to quiz you oh, on something obscure. Right. And I'm like, oh, no. Sure, sure, sure. Like, I love The Simpsons, but it's so broad. Yeah. Like, That's, I know. Very difficult. Tough. So many You'd things. You'd have to say season three or something. Yeah, you would. Season three, episode really one, specific. first 15 minutes. <laughs> no, 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah. The opening sequence, I know it off by heart. Yeah, so would... all the questions would be like, uh, on frame 72, <laughs> yeah. what colour oh, hair? Great, my favourite frame, actually. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> I'll take this one. Um can you just name the Pantone colour of uh, the Krusty family's hair? <laughs> oh, absolutely, I can. <laughs> did, you, did you come up with them, Cass? I, look, if I were put in a situation where I had to go on hard quiz tomorrow, I'd probably be like, Sans Pants Radio, the company I work for. I'm like, I reckon I, reckon I know more than most about that, but I don't know the most, you know? Yeah. I could still fail. Yeah, but nothing feels as good as watching a hard quiz and getting one of the questions right. Oh, from someone else's category. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness, I do know about 1950s kettles or something. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so the next one comes from Nicole D. Morton. Oh, from Horsham and Vic. Not everyone puts in their place there, so I love that, Nicole. Well done. Good McDonald's there. Uh, nice, good intel. <laughs> Nicole's given herself the title of probably fucking accounts payable as usual, but honestly, it's fine. Someone has to do it just <laughs> as long as there's free biscuits. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, Nicole, you get to choose. <laughs> but I love that. Yep. I love an accounts payable with a bit of sass. Anyway, and we've got like we've got good biscuits, like full assorted creams. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm calling them Monte Carlo. Oh, I love a Monte Carlo. Yeah. Uh, well, it feels like. I always thought everyone gal. agreed. Final, Kingston number two. Fine, I'll take yeah. a Delta Cream, whatever. Delta Cream, that's slipping down the list. But we all How know what's last. Orange Cream. Oh, or- mm. oh, orange Cream. Oh, orange Slice. Orange Slice, is that what it is? No. Yeah, and, and what's the other one? The Turkish Shortbread delight cream. of the biscuit world. Yeah, yeah it's always left. Yeah. Shop, shortbread Creams are always left. No, Orange Slice is oh, always yeah. left. Oh, but th- that's it. Okay. you got to... You gotta dedicate some secret time to learning to love the leftovers. That's smart. Yeah. That's like, how... I personally love a Brazil nut, but I would never tell anyone. <sighs> Great. You'd be like, oh gosh. <laughs> Another Brazil nut for me. And inside you're like, yes. Well, you no, you just join in eating all the rest of the nuts. You know, you see your favorite biscuit isn't the popular biscuit. Yeah, that's a good place to be. Shh. <laughs> be quiet. Be quiet that that's your favorite biscuit. You eat the other biscuits with everyone else. <laughs> And then you got a plate of biscuits just yeah, for that's you. Good. Do you really think the key to the Monte Carlo is whatever that red mm. outside layer is? Why is it only on the outside? Yeah, I don't know. Make the, why don't they make the whole biscuit like that? <laughs> <laughs> why don't they make the whole biscuit out of the red layer? Mm, I think that'd be great. So Nicole's got a question as well. Here it is. It's longer. Did you know that it has been scientifically proven? two asterisks that we'll come back to, that accounts payable is the one job that no human being has ever planned to do. They just end <laughs> up there wallowing in deep, a deep pit of regret. It's not even real accounting, just admin with a lot more migraines and instances of, as per my previous email, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this was the double asterisk, Disclaimer, the science is just my own anecdotal study of noting the number of times I've wanted to die by approximately 2.15pm. I'm curious, is there a job you would absolutely never do even if there was no other option? Oh, Oh. so many. Yeah. Bricklayer, uh, concreter. See, any job where I could also get ripped, 
Yeah. In, oh, my, exercise. I, I, incidental yeah. exercise. Incidental exercise is the way to go. You just need to make sure that you save so that you can quit before your body breaks. Uh, window washer from for high rise. Terrifying. Couldn't do that. Man, these are. I'm think I was like eye surgeon or something, but um. <laughs> But I guess yeah, you know, there's other reasons why I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, mm. yeah, no, I, I think all the ones you've said seem like just they're all they're all good jobs. I no, that's I'm not throwing shade on these people. No, I know, but I, I, I just feel like they'd be good jobs to do for me, for me and my bod. Right. <laughs> I would not be. I'd I just I'd die on day one. You'd, your body would change very no, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You'd become ripped, Warner kid. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and, and bricks all day. I reckon I could be a brickie. I reckon you could be a brickie. <laughs> Yeah, you get no. a get a technique down. Basically, this I, I don't want it, this to be misconstrued. This is the ultimate respect to the bricky by me saying I could never do what you do. No, I, I don't mm. think anyone was interpreting that right. as you oh, <laughs> looking no, down no. at like, what a shit job. No, you were, honestly, no. <laughs> I, think, I think I understood you to be like I can't do it. I feel like you, you just you'd start small, small bricks. Start with Lego. <laughs> <laughs> work your way oh, up but to I'm Duplo. Bad at, I'm really bad at Lego. I always have been. How, what? How? Say what? Oh, I don't. I don't enjoy it. I don't. I don't like following instructions. Okay. Oh, but do you have fun when you play with Lego? Yeah, I like building my own stuff. Well, that's, that's a skill. It always becomes a block. I suppose that would be an issue if you were tasked with house and you were like, no. Yeah, yeah I'm like, no. I want it to be a block. <laughs> we really just need a wall here, mate. <laughs> well, you get a, you get a block. It's a real thick wall. Uh, yeah, Cass, job you would never do. Job I would never do. Yeah. Um. Oh. What about like you know abattoir worker or something like that? I think I'd find that a bit hard. Oh, oh yeah. Put in the bolt I, I was in the trying cows. To- yeah, yeah. I also think even the other end, uh, being a vet would be very difficult because you have to deal with so many sick animals. Right. Mm, I find I've, that difficult. I've heard that a lot of vet work is putting animals down. Yeah, I find that very... Yeah. Any job that involved killing an animal or a person, like I wouldn't be good at pushing the button. Right. And um, I think there's a lot of jobs involved killing people, but I guess hitman or yeah. woman. <laughs> <laughs> would you ever be hitman slash hit woman? Uh, yes, uh, I don't think I'd take up the role of hit person. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I just don't want to kill anyone. You it do sounds any like a, job. admin. Uh, what was the job? Accounts, Accounts payable. payable. That's just that's invoicing. I, okay, it? I've never understood. So there's accounts payable and there's accounts receivable. And in my mind, so if I'm business, right? Yeah. And I'm accounts payable. I'm uh-huh. like, okay, you pay to me. But if I'm accounts receivable. I'm receiving the money. Yeah. How how does that work? When you're receiving the money and you're paying the money. I once did an admin job where I had to (laughs) say that I was accounts payable or accounts receivable um, just to put everything through the system. Like nothing dodgy was happening. It was just the way it went through. It was a small business. But I I still can't remember. I did that job. Oh, no. Hmm. Well, I imagine Nicole is fuming right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Her area of expertise on <laughs> the so Einstein Factor slash hard quiz. <laughs> well, that just means you're, gonna, you're gonna more likely win. Uh, yeah. So, did you have an answer there, Cass? No animal killing. Or people killing. Dave's no brick laying. He'd love to kill animals. Be happy to do yeah, it. That's yeah, that's right. But as long as I don't have to kill them with bricks. And I, like, <laughs> I don't want. He's not to, laying like, brick into yeah, skull. Yeah. That counts. A new man. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking like um, surgeons. So 
But yeah, there's there's reason I just never would be able to do that. I, I, I can't oh, think of a job. Believe in yourself. That... Neither of you believing in yourself. I also just wouldn't want to be a doctor because I don't like medical stuff. Like I find it a bit yuck. Yeah, <laughs> under the TV shows yeah. come on, I'm like, who's watching this? So yeah. people who are like, oh, I love seeing people sick. I don't. This is how they get their jollies. I don't know. <laughs> That's a high rating TV show. Sick people in Australia, anyway. Sick people, MD or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, is that the one where they're like, "Careful, this might be pretty distressing." You're like, "All right," and it's like this person's dying. You're like, "Oh, and oh, and you're not, you can't save them." Well, I hope their family got a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's all. That's all you can think of. You're like, "Well, I hope they got a lot of money, and that has genuinely helped them cover costs." Yeah. Because there's geez. nothing else. Yeah, so, um, being the uh, <laughs> being the editor on that TV show—that's a job I wouldn't do. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, you have to watch a lot of footage for that. Probably awful. the cameraman even more, or woman. No, I would, but I mean, uh, anyway. Um, and finally, from Murray Somerville, uh, who Murray's given himself the title of senior head illustrator of Random Do Go On Moments 2021. Ooh. And Murray's offered us a, a great f- artist too, by the way. You post in the Facebook group a lot. Oh, you yeah. love the style we talk about. I this love a lot. that style. I wish I wish we had them all just to post publicly. I uh, whenever I see him, I go, "Do you mind if we post this on our feed?" Yeah, well, a few times we have posted on our uh, Instagram page. If you want to have a look, ah. really, really good. They should all be out there. All, all on the sorry. What was what was the handle for that Instagram page? At do go on pod. Do go on pod. At do go on pod. At do go on pod. Check it out, everybody. Randy Somerville. So you just give it a follow, and you find your Randy Somerville. That's right. What an artiste. And uh, this is Murray's Randy. I just called him Randy. I'm so sorry, Murray. I thought that might have been. I thought that was the, M- just Murray, the handle. Randy Somerville. <laughs> sorry, Murray. I don't know. This, that just slipped. That's out of exciting, my, Murray. No. You gave yourself a title. You got a title. That's right. You're Randy. Some Randy. All right. What's 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 he got? Fact, or question. Fact. And the fact is, I recently started working in an opera company and started to hear people say "chookers" before a show. I soon found out that wishing an, uh, one another good luck before a performance is actually bad luck. Instead, you say chookers. This is an Aussie slang and dates the 1900s when a full house meant that the cast would be given chicken to eat after the show. Before curtain up, someone would count how many people were in the audience. If there were a lot, the person counting would yell chookers to let the cast know they wouldn't go hungry. So chookers came to mean good luck. I didn't... I, yeah, I, in my head, that wasn't an Australian-only thing, but it... Yeah. There you go. That's Love it. I've dabbled in the theatre and I assumed that chookers was a thing you said to everyone, but that was because all my friends were also in the theatre. So I would come out into other social circles and be like, chookers, and it would make no sense. <laughs> what right. the hell are you talking about? It's definitely, it's leaked in a stand-up. Stand-ups, will, yeah. you, people will say it to you sometimes. Well, that that's, that's what got me because... I started saying it around people who did comedy gigs and at work where we do podcasting. Right. We do gigs of podcasting. And everyone was like, they accepted it. Yeah. And I went out to talk to people with desk jobs. They're like, a- what are you talking to me about? I'm yeah. like, you know, when you earn enough money to buy a chicken. <laughs> do you think you know? in accounts payable they say chookers? Yeah, I think so. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> so, do you, so I wonder what, so do they just, break a leg is another classic one. Maybe that's just, is it? I don't know where it, that comes from though. Murray, you've got a task Murray? for next time. In the opera, do they also say toy? Toy. Uh, anyway, I may have heard that before. Maybe baby opera? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> toy, toy. 
All right. Or a word similar to that. Anyway. Cass, would you believe we've only just begun this second part of the show? Uh, Let's whiz through this. We are honestly, this is going to be an epically long episode. We also love uh, to thank some of our supporters, and uh, normally just comes up with a little game uh, where you know something based on the show topic. Oh yeah. We uh, attach to each person. So maybe you know if the topic was about dogs, we might give everyone a dog name. Okay. Cool. Jess is better at it than me. Obviously, that's why it's not my. Roll. Okay. So do, you, do you have an idea there? Something based on. Okay. If we were all stranded on the island together, what's what's the job you take up? Okay. So we all get seamstress. one little job, you know? <laughs> seamstress so maybe, is taken. Yep. Seamstress is taken. Um, but all the rest of her jobs need to be divvied because she's working really hard and we want to we want to give mum a break, you Great. know? Sounds fantastic. You know, maybe I'm going to construct the, the cupboard. You know, but we still got, you know, the gun rack. We need wound tenders. Okay. Yep. All right. How about this, Dave? We'll do, you and I will do five each. Cass is going to come up with all the jobs. She feels ready to go. I'm okay, great, great, great. So I'll, I'll kick off with the first five if that makes uh, you feel okay, Dave. <laughs> I started that sentence with a way that didn't have a, an easy way to finish it. If that makes you feel okay, Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I guess. <laughs> So, firstly, I'd love to thank from Montesano in Washington in the United States, Alice Barr or Bear, B-A-R-R-E with an accent. Where's the accent? Over the E. Ah. The upward going on. Beret. Beret. Okay. Alice Beret or Bear or Barry or Beret. (laughs) Alice. What's Alice's job, Cass? Um. Alice will be making, uh, based on their name, uh, they will be assisting Ada the seamstress in constructing polar bear hats or berets. Whoa. <laughs> Love that. Bear out berets. Of the, out of the heads or just out of any part of the, the white fur? I think Alice is pretty uh, pretty resourceful. Yeah. And Alice is not going to let any part of the polar bear go to waste. Every part of the polar bear will be used to make a different beret. Wow. So bear you might beret. have a scrote beret. Yep, scrope beret, bear beret. No, no bald babe will have a bear head with these bear berets. My goodness, that's she good marketing. She wore a scrote and me beret. <laughs> kind you found at that Antarctic <laughs> store. Arctic, fuck. All right, uh, thank you so much to Alice and apologies for the last little bit there. I'd also love to thank from Burnaby, in British Columbia in Canada, I think. Uh, Rebecca Sue, H-S-U, Sue. What are uh, you, what's Rebecca? From what? Burnaby? Rebecca from Burnaby. Ah, uh, fire duty. Fire duty. Uh, Rebecca will be starting and ending the fire. <laughs> ending it. <laughs> yeah. <All> I <laughs> will end you fire. <laughs> it is Rebecca's choice when the fire starts and ends. None of us get a say. That's not our job. We don't want to have a say. That's all, Rebecca. On you, Rebecca. I believe in you. Start that fire. Rebecca Shoe. According, according to uh, how do you how to pronounce on YouTube. Thank you so much. Rebecca Shoe. Great name. Love it. Uh, and great work there with the fire putting in and putting out. Uh, and I would also have to thank from Coburg, just up the road in Victoria, Australia, Alex Tilly. 
Alex Tilly. What's Alex Tilly up to at camp in the um, Arctic? Now, Alex is tilling the land. This, I'm going to be real, not fruitful. But I think it's important that we all have work to do. And I'm glad Alex has a job. What is tilling the land? Oh, it's when you sort of turn over the soil to grow right. crops. So, Cat uh, Stevens' album, Tea for the Tiller Man, is that someone giving dinner for the person who's tilling the land? I always thought it was the beverage of tea. Oh. But well, I, mean, I it, don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know right. if a tiller man is that. I mean, all good questions though, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, God. Aren't we full of them? Yeah. We're full of something. Uh, all Q, no A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a lot of A's in me as well, but um, Alex uh, till away, till away, fantastic yep. work. We need it. It will, and you know, if we if we if we till enough of the land, maybe some of the snow is going to melt a bit, and oh. may- maybe it will come to fruition. If if the land is able to be turned over enough, or you're going to destroy the dirt, really no middle ground with this one. Um, <laughs> Either nothing will ever grow again or you will make something grow for the first time in many years. Worth taking a punt. Uh, yeah, and it's entertainment for the rest of us. So thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Uh, next, I'd love to thank uh, from Ashford in Great Britain, someone with a fantastically British-sounding name, Elliot Crosby McCulloch. Oh, that's fun. That's very British to me. That's phenomenal. Um, Elliot's going to be in charge of beverages. Oh, you got to stay hydrated. Got to stay hydrated. Got to have fun with it. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Is there um, any creaming sodas? Well, that's up to Elliot. I think at this point, um, maybe there is going to be some theatrics. We are in the wilderness. So maybe Elliot is doing some artisanal things with water. Oh. So maybe we're, maybe we're collecting like ice chips to melt slowly over the water. Maybe we can all become sommeliers of water. We can see what the difference between the snow water, the ice water, one that we collect off of uh, dewy leaves. Great, I love this. Yeah, water Maybe sommelier Elliot. Blind taste testing. Yep. It, well, imagine if you, because you know how you go to different people's houses and you're like, some people have good water and some people have bad water. Uh, hmm, yeah. This pause is odd. What? <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know how some taps are good. Ta- oh, the water yeah. tastes better. Yeah. Yeah. Some people have good water at their house, and some people eh. definitely know that. A lot of states and cities here have terrible water. Yeah. I think we need Rachel Johnson to get involved there as the supervisor of pipes and pies. I think the pipe yeah, will be Yeah, it's a pipe playing. issue. Yep, that is, that is all pipe. Uh, so I'd love to thank once more Alice, Rebecca, Alex, Elliot, and uh, finally Bron here, is it? Have I got one more? Damn it, I can't count. From Portland, Oregon <laughs> in the United States, I'd love to thank Bron Stoll. Engelson, what's Bron up to? Bron is in charge of meat tenderization. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of meat. Well, that's the thing. There's a lot of meat. And when we're looking at animals in the Arctic, there's going to be a lot of different fat contents, fat concentrations, and we're going to see what we can do. So Bron does have a little bit of a dangerous job. Bron is going to attempt to ragu some some polar bear. <laughs> ragu. Wow. Sorry, I mean wag, wagyu. Oh, wagyu. Not ragu. I mean, ragu will come later, but try and massage a polar bear until all of the blubber ripples into the meat and it's a lovely melty treat for so us. This is while the polar bear's still alive? Yeah. yeah Bronze really taking one for the whole team and it is for the sake of taste buds. <laughs> Um, we do have we do have someone else just for the, the regular feeds, but bronze for when we want to treat ourselves. That's, yeah, great. <laughs> On I want, your bronze. 
Yeah. I wonder because I I never really I obviously haven't had to put this into practice, but so I don't I don't I'm not a, a meat eater per se. Yep. So I wonder how long it would take me at a place like this before I just go. I'm getting a polar bear. Do you, or is it, are you going to have uh, alternative options? Well, Bron is specifically on meats. That is her area right. of expertise. Um, maybe someone from Dave's crew can help with vegetation, uh, but we don't know. I think – well, I don't I, I don't know. I can't answer that for you. Yeah, because – Because that's the thing. You'd be hungry. Mm. And it's the polar bears there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Waste not, want not. Waste not, want not. I mean – I've always said that. I mean, if you go, we're not going to waste you, so – Right. Yeah, yeah, you'll eat me. Yeah. And I think we should eat each but, other. But uh, grain-fed, I'll, you know, you'd get a pretty good price for me oh, at yeah. market. That's good. Grain-fed well, Matt. Well, I guess Stuart. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, if I Matt's get massages, I'm into it. every day. Yeah. Oh, that, thank, thank you. So That's so nice. You're like, yeah, I am tenderizing you. <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's the price I'll pay. Feels yep. good. I'll so be dead by it. Do you reckon you can tenderize my calf? <laughs> yes. It's really been playing up. Yeah, if, if you find yourself out in the wilderness and you're all getting pretty hungry and then one of your friends starts getting handsy, you're next. <laughs> yeah, you're on the chopping chopping block. All right, I would like to thank from Marrero in Louisiana. I'm shouting out Alan Abadi Jr. Oh, it's a shout out. Well, yeah, this is a big shout out too. So we are, sorry, it's my turn to thank a couple of people is what we're doing. Brilliant. So Alan also gets a role, but it's Alan Abadi or Abadi, maybe they say over there, Junior. Love a Junior. Ah. What's Alan doing around our camp? Alan's felling trees. Love that. Yep. Well, um, and then just uh, is Alan meant to be felling trees? Is that helpful to us? Or is Alan on a rampage? Yeah, just kicking stuff. <laughs> um, Alan hates trees. Alan Alan came here to do the opposite of erect a flag. Right. It's to take down any standing structure. Um, we do have other members of the crew who will make use of the trees, but no, Alan, Alan is simply getting ripped from felling the trees. Um, and we, the wood gets used, you know. We, ha- we need fires. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, Rocky punched meat. Alan fells trees. Yeah, you got to choose how you get ripped. Well, that that's great. If we if we've got Alan felling the trees, it means that over planes overhead can see us, which is good. That helps us. Someone's noticing deforestation. People are pretty on top of that these days. That gets us seen faster. And then we've got all this wood, more wood than we know what to deal with. You know, maybe Bron's going to smoke some meat. (laughs) You know, with wood chips. So we, so we. Take down. Well, Alan gets rid yep. of so much of the forest mm. that protests start kicking off, and then we just use one of the protesters' mobile phones to call for help. Yeah, I if love protesters that. come over, you're like, okay, we'll stop Alan if you take me home, please. <laughs> please let me come on your plane. Oh God. Yeah, this is a good plan. That is Alan's good. just saved the day. Yeah, because well, I mean, we look at Alan, we're like, ah. Oh. We are leaving Alan behind, I imagine. <laughs> no, <laughs> we go to leave and Alan's like, no, my place is here. My work isn't done. <laughs> That's right. This tr- island's full of trees. <laughs> and he turns and he takes on all the protesters. Yeah, we're like, Alan, we don't need As the wood. And he turns safety. around, it's like, it was never about the wood. Go. <laughs> you go. <laughs> I'll hold him off. <laughs> No, we've already made a deal. We're, we're all good to go. <laughs> no, nah, it's go. time for me to fell fellas. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I would like to thank now from the greatest of Britons, 
place called Bangor, and that is the location for Sasha or Sasha Eisenstadt. Sasha Eisenstadt. Uh, Sasha or Sasha is on vegetation. Um, it is mainly leaves at this point. Alan does bring down a lot of leaves from up high, um, which is good. From up high? For, because the trees go into the sky. Oh, high pies. Up, yep. our pie. Oh! Alpine? Is what you're trying to say, man? I thought Cass said our pie. Oh, up high. But she said, oh, not our pie, our pie. Up high? <laughs> this, what? Did you I'm say just, up high? I, I think up I'm, high. I think I'm really hungry we for did pie. We didn't. Honestly, the pie wasn't even mentioned. And you say I'm the pie guy, but Matt is... Every single in. time food has come up, I have salivated a little bit. Yeah, I'm real it hungry. It was embarrassing when it was dog food, but it was <laughs> fine when I was talking about Wagyu But now beef. it's pies that don't exist. Sasha Eisenstadt, thank you so much. We appreciate that. And uh, great to have you on board. I would like to thank now from Emeryville in California, and Chica Singh. And Chica Singh. <sighs> and Chica's on construction. Great. Yeah. I mean, is that real construction or is that like like soprano style? I know they're in waste management, but you know, when you have when someone says, oh, "I work in construction," oh, you yeah. think it's a oh. front? That's a front. Oh. That's you, else. you suss on everyone who works in construction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why why else do you think I want to avoid being a bricklayer? If you know what I mean. Ah. Yeah. The the foundations of this house are very wannaky. <laughs> Yeah, that was well. meant to be a pun on rickety. Um, I really appreciate that you guys let me feel so comfortable hey, that I can try so new much. material. Um, <laughs> I loved it. Anytime you can get a pun, we love. Obviously, Matt, big pun king. I don't um, understand puns. Um, <laughs> I accidentally do them sometimes, though. Uh, yeah, maybe. So you're saying they uh, people sort of construct like uh, concrete shoes and that sort of stuff. That's what you're thinking. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You uh, don't want to be wearing those. So thank you so much, Anna Chica, and I am not going to double-cross you. Uh, from uh, Pennsylvania now, from Brian's... How do I say this? Brian'sville. Brian'sville. Beautiful place. I have not man. heard of it, but I love it. I would like to thank uh, Ian Klansek. Ian Klansek uh, from Pennsylvania. Ian's doing the video diaries. Now, we don't have the technology now, but Ian's Ian's documenting everything that they can making sure that they write everything down in script form. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Ian thinks it's going to be a play. Really, we're going to find it in 50 years and turn it into a cinema So we can do movie. a paper edit. Oh, oh that's absolutely, great. yeah. Very efficient. Yeah, we do have other members who are, who are on first draft revision, um, but Ian's taking it down on the front lines. This is good news. Very happy about yeah. this. Thanks, Ian. Playwright slash documentarian. I like it. And finally, I would like to thank from Perth, right here in Western Australia, and by that I mean right here in Australia. We're not at Western Australia, but uh, Sarah Whitham or Whitham. Thank you so much, Sarah. Our final role, Cass. What do we need? What's left? I tell you, you're either with them or you're against them. Am I right? Is that a pun? <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah, you yeah. so much for making me feel comfortable. <laughs> Great, beautiful stuff. <laughs> um, and big thank you to Sarah. Most dangerous job of all. Testing berries, we find. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. is a classic. Uh, we found a big red one. That is a, that's a yeah. Yeah. Why well, is ones that look so good and juicy? Well, that's the thing. We got strawberries and raspberries and blueberries. What are we testing? I can't for think needles? of anything red that's poison. Yeah. I Surely. can think of red things that are venomous, but I what 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 red thing is poison? Surely we just don't eat them. Yeah, but I don't even know about them. And I know everything. <laughs> you know every fruit. 
and every fruit and berry. No, red one's always the classic. I mean, there's a thing in nature to say, do not eat this. Why do strawberries do that? Reds, the idea is to, to not eat it. Yeah, it's a warning. Huh. It's a warning for all animals. It's like uh, it's why uh, those really poisonous frogs are that color because if you eat them, you die. Right. And redback spiders, they're venomous. I'm afraid that Sarah's eaten them all. Uh, <laughs> hey, Sarah, <laughs> ch- eat this frog. It's not just berry, Judy. She eats anything red. Yeah. <laughs> not a red, Judy. Oh, not another red back. Well, thank you so much to those supporters. There's only one last thing we've got to do, Cass. Would you believe it? The segment lives on. We uh, induct a few people into our Triptych Club. So Ooh. supporters who've been on the shout-out level for three years straight get inducted to this very exclusive Basically section. Basically a Hall of Fame. Oh, my slash God. club. We've got a full bar set up in there. We have live music. We have drinks. We have hors d'oeuvres. And yes. uh, once you're in, you're in for life. Are you up for filling in Jess's role here as well? Yes. What she would normally do is uh, come up with an hors d'oeuvre or a food thing that's usually uh, related to the topic and a drink, a cocktail. Okay. While I'm on the door, I've got the door list here. I'm going to read out the names. Then Dave normally hypes them up. Yep. Uh, he's also booked a band. Who have you booked this week? Uh, well, we've got a classic Icelandic act. We've got Bjork slash Bjork. Wow. Oh, brilliant. So thank you so much. Probably, be- the, probably the most famous Icelander. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say she'd definitely be up there. Famous, Icelandic. Sigur Ross, is that? that yeah, they're also right? from Close. there. Fake. Famous Maybe. Icelandic people. If you Google it, Bjork comes up as number one. We're playing family food. <laughs> family she's food, on the she's board. Not, yeah, she's definitely on the board. Uh, so and yeah, do you have? What are you thinking for food and drink? So is it one per new entrant, no, or no, is it just one, one for, the for night? everyone? Because oh, it's a theme night. The, the menu grows every. Every week. Everything oh. that Jess has already come up with is available. Oh, but, brilliant. But there's a new item to the menu We have 600 week. people working in the kitchen. That is brilliant. And it's so many more than we had uh, when we were, you know, out in the out in the yeah. Arctic. So yeah. we're doing an hors d'oeuvre and a cocktail. Yeah. Based on what we found. Okay. So we will, the cocktail will be based on ice water. Fantastic. Yep. Sounds it delicious. It is going to have an ash rim from the fire. Beautiful. And it will also... Oh, do you know what? No, the cocktail is made with oat milk from the bag, used to care for the sick man. Oh, um, foot milk. Mm. <laughs> foot milk. So it's going to be oat milk made from uh, dripped ice water from our lovely, I've forgotten which of our delightful helpers is on uh, the water sommelier role. Um, important role. A, a really important role. They've got collected the ice water. They've gotten the oats, so it's an oat milk thing. It's got an ash rim. So let's think, oh, it's feeling like toast. It's feeling, I'm feeling toast vibes. What goes with toast? Marmalade jam. That is good. Okay, so we're going to get uh, jam made out of the red berries that Sarah has tested. <laughs> and we are going to distill. Uh, oh, but actually, the alcohol is going to be brandy and it's going to be from that oh, sand, sim, 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 to, the man by the fire with the nightcap. Yes. Oh, Stephenson. Stephenson. It's going to be Stephenson's brandy, and it's going to taste like uh, a boozy toast with marmalade. Oh, that sounds great. I think Jess said water last time, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love the thought that's gone into that. Fantastic. And, and maybe a little food on the side. Maybe okay. the toast to dip it in. Just literal toast. Yeah, and the toast is going to be spread with uh, massage polar bear wagyu. <laughs> oh, 
fantastic. Well, oh, thank goodness. I'm, I'm glad, glad we're making use of our 10 polar bear carcasses <laughs> that we yeah. had delivered. Secretly, yeah, and we that's will, just this week. Yeah. <laughs> we're definitely going to run out of the Wagyu about halfway through the night and it will be replaced with chum and no one's going to know. <laughs> no one will know. So there are only four inductees this week and the way this is going to work, Cass, is I'll say their name. Dave then hypes them up. He, them. So you picture them. They're running into the club. I'm oh, lifting yeah. up the velvet rope. Dave's hyping them up. Hell but yeah. Dave is a sensitive soul and he doesn't always feel like he's done the best hype job. So then your job is to hype Dave up. Every yeah. hype man needs a hype woman. <laughs> so thank you so much. Behind every hype man <laughs> is a hype woman. Beautifully said. Uh, okay, so... Um, Let's get into it. We this is this is nice and fast, just okay. like the rest of the show. Very snappy. Here we <laughs> go. All right, I'm feeling good. Who are we welcoming in tonight? All right, let me check this guest list. Matt, read them out. Here we go. All right, from Baldivis in Western Australia, it's Samuel Limbury. Limbury, limber up for Limbury. Am I right? Yeah. Dave, oh my God, out here with the the finger guns. Wow, put them put them away, buddy. We don't have a license to carry those. Thank you so much. uh, The next person is from address unknown and surname (laughs) unknown. It's Aiden. Oh, Faden without Aiden. Thank goodness he's here. Oh God, and we'd be lost without you too, Dave. (laughs) From great at this, yes. Cows in the Isle of Wight in Great Britain. It's Matt Barber. Oh, a harbour, a fever for Barber. Oh, God. And Dave's got such a presence like that. Remember that cartoon with the elephant named Bubba? Yeah. Woo! And he's wearing a crown. <laughs> and finally, from Horsham in Victoria, Australia, it's Lauren Andrew. Oh. Horsham, I was feeling Porsham before you turned up tonight. Oh, and aren't we all richer for your company, Dave? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's I love it. It's like I'm being like, let's try and make this about me. <laughs> Thank you so much. You make me feel great. You're you're honestly great heart person. Appreciate that. Do you really know what, good. Dave? You make the job easy. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Thank that you. brings us to the end of the episode. Cass, you made it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sticking out late. Uh, thank you so much for everyone for joining us. Those who made it to the end are the true believers. We appreciate you most of all. Um, Dave, how can people find the show online or whatever? Well, I uh, must say that I recently rewatched the uh, footage. We will be releasing some live uh, ep- episodes that we filmed at the Melbourne Comedy Festival soon. Details to come. But I, as in the edit, I watched, I called some mem- orders, uh, members of the audience true believers. And Matt goes, we never call you that. And he just did it. <laughs> <laughs> this feels good. Damn this it. feels good. Um, of yes, course, we're, that's going to be a, a stupid old Stupid old presents. Yeah, sospresents.com. We'll have uh, the four live think, shows. We I think re- we're talking about it. Maybe it being one ticket gets you access to all four. Sounds good. A, season, a four park super pass. Yes, that's right. So keep your eyes out for that. It'll be coming out very, very soon. We will, of course, announce it on here and on social media. But you can get in contact with us at dogoonpod.com. But um, we are just a few podcasts here at dogoonpod.com. Many, many more podcasts can be found at sanspantsradio.com. Am oh, I right, Cass? Oh, that is right. That is right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, including, because we've, oh, what about Do Go D&D? Or do D&D Go On? Do Go D&D. D&D. I think it's it was Do Go D&D. That's on the Sans right. Pants Network. That was a co-pro. Yeah. And co-pro. We're, we're going to do another one of those if we're, yeah, we keep saying, oh, once we're allowed out again, and hopefully we haven't missed that window. <laughs> yeah. We keep getting put back in. Um. <laughs> No, sanspantsradio.com. 
And you host many shows on that network. Yeah, I'm on I'm on some D&D. That's D&D's for nerds. I'm on Shut Up a Second. I like to describe that one as, hey, you, you got thoughts you don't want? We'll give you new ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's like falling asleep at a sleepover with your friends. Love That's that. That's nice. Yeah. And um, we're, Dave and I and Jess have all been on uh, multiple episodes of different ones there. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, you guys. The lot, most recent ones. one I was on was a, a How Good's Footy episode. Which happened after a Saints win, so I was pretty chirpy. You after were up, that. up for it that day. And uh, did you agree week, to it before you knew the result? No, I think that. I mean, I'd be happy to go on any time, but they. I think they only asked me on after a win. Yeah, fair enough. Because <laughs> I think they maybe think I'm more sensitive than I am. Normally, by the time they record midweek or whenever it is, I've I've moved on. It is hard to understand you when you're crying, though. <laughs> I've experienced that. Yeah, myself. hard to talk through tears. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I definitely encourage people to check out uh, more of your shows, Cass. And of course, you've been on many episodes of Book Cheat and Primates over the years. One of our absolute favourite guests and we've been absolutely <laughs> stoked that you could come on Do Go On. It yes. was my absolute honour to be here. Thank you so much. Part we were- of the Primates Dream Team. Absolutely, oh. yeah. It's on the most recent Primates episode, which is the live episode if you haven't heard it. It's fantastic stuff. Very, Cass very tells fun. a great story about a, a royal who died at the hands of... Of a monkey. Oh, that was awesome. And I was in the room watching the live show. And I've got to say, you made me feel like a bit of a hack because you wheeled off this amazing story with zero notes in front yeah. of you. We're always cheating with a bit of a laptop or something in front of us, but you just just riffed it basically straight from the top yeah, of your dome. Yeah, amazing. Uh, look, I, it would have come out a lot better had I given myself some notes. No, I just don't I think disagree. it could have. It just came out. It was, it was very, very funny and very interesting. So, yeah, people can check that out too. Yeah. Uh, but I guess that's it for another week of Do Go On. And until next week, I will say thank you so much for listening. And until then, goodbye. Laters. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.